What's coming, folks? It's review time. Now, what did we see in our most recent chapters? Chapters, let's see, we did one, two, three, and then four and five. So chapters four and five. Chapter four, the seven potter, the seven potter. Chapter four, the seven potters, and chapter five, fallen warrior. Oh, shoot, who asked it first? Who asked it first? Uh, which Hazel? Also, what won the uh, the next book series? I figure I can announce that right now. I'm going to announce it right before we start the chapter. As long as I remember. I'm going to have to work hard <laughs> not to forget. Um, but I want to make sure that people see it. And some people, especially the folks on the VODs, um, so the people watching on YouTube, sometimes they'll skip through this portion so they won't hear that. So I'm going to wait until I've got the chapter art up and then and then you'll know who's up. Muffin Man says the Seven Potters leaving the Dursley's house. Yes, leaving the Dursley house forever. As far as he knows, you know what I mean? Um, Harry is officially no longer considering the Dursley house home. Now, that doesn't sound like it's a big deal, right? Except it absolutely is. You remember that um, the... And don't and folks, we're we are delving deep into spoiler territory. This whole book, if you were just showing up for like the pre the pre chat here and you're still getting caught up in um, uh, on YouTube and you don't want stuff to get sort of uh, spoiled for you, this ain't the place to be. Cut and run. Get go go go. Um, we have uh, Harry has been protected for a very long time by his mother's passing, by the sacrifice that his mother made in order to protect in order to protect him. Um, there is now um, uh, right there on the horizon Harry's birthday. In the magical world, you come of age at seventeen, and there's something in sort of the magical energies that consider you now an adult, which means that Harry is going to lose that protection that he gained from his mother. But, that's going to happen on his birthday. The Order of the Phoenix, as it currently stands, without Dumbledore, without Snape, um, uh, seemingly headed by essentially Mad-Eye Moody, um, they are deciding they're going to cut and run early, rather than essentially giving... You know, Voldemort knows when Harry's birthday is. Instead of just giving Voldemort the, the exact time and date of Harry's departure from his safe house, they're going to cut and run early in order to uh, try and maintain some sort of element of surprise. They're going to uh, try to accomplish this by polyjuicing up a bunch of folks here that uh, that know Harry and love him. Um, Fred and George, Weasley, Ron, Hermione, all, uh, a bunch of folks. There are going to be seven Harry Potters, and each one of them is going to be accompanied by a member of the Order of the Phoenix, um, like uh, Tonks, Mad-Eye Moody, Hagrid, etc., and they are going to fly to a bunch of different locations and then port key from those locations to the burrow. The idea is that Voldemort isn't going to know because they've, they've got this idea that Voldemort's probably got spies in the area. Voldemort's not going to know who, which one is the real Harry. In the ensuing trip, it gets violent and chaotic very quickly. Um... We see a couple of things in media res, in the moment. Um, we see Hagrid get hit and plummet toward the earth. Um, uh, we see uh, very soon after, in the next chapter, as we continue, we find out what was the, what was the aftermath. Um, uh, one very important one in chapter four, Hedwig gets hit. Um, 
and Hedwig is lost. Uh, I think a Hogwarts hippie said it first. Um, uh, but we, Harry loses Hedwig. Hedwig gets caught by, uh, we think, an Avada Kedavra curse, and Hedwig is dead. Um, at the beginning of the next chapter, we find out that Hagrid is hurt but alive. Um, unfortunately, as folks start to reach the burrow, some people are late. Some people don't show up. Lundungus Fletcher seems to have turned tail and run, has uh, disapparated and fled, and in the ensuing chaos, Mad-Eye Moody was killed. Badge says, if Hagrid died, I would have closed the book, and that would have been a hard one for me as well, I think. Um, yeah, Jem says, Hedwig didn't even have the chance to escape. It was a tough one. And uh, I'm going to admit to you all right now, um, chapter six here, the one that we're going to read first, is actually one of the chapters that uh, gets to me the most. Uh, there are a couple of issues, a couple of um, uh, moments in here that are really challenging, really tough for me. Uh, so we'll see how that goes tonight. Um, but uh, George loses an ear during the, uh, during the journey. Um, it seems that by way of sort of recognizing the real Harry, um, uh, excuse me, by, by way of identifying that the real Harry would use Expelliarmus rather than try to kill people who are killing him, uh, who are trying to kill him, um, they identify the real Harry. Uh, that's how they, they sort of sort it out. And Lupin gets a little frustrated at this. Um, the, the last chapter was chaos, you know? Chapter 5, absolute chaos. Um, but uh, in our final sort of... Uh, recap i guess um george is has lost an ear hagrid is injured but all right and uh hedwig and mad-eye moody are dead badge hey thanks for the prime subscription i appreciate it badge li 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 for you <laughs> uh wait oh is it badger a bad gal I don't know what it is. Hey, bad gal Lily. There we go. <laughs> Not badge. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for jumping in. I appreciate it. You missed last week's reading, says Barry Bethy. In that case, I would be careful. We're going to get into spoiler territory. If that's all right with you, then tally-ho. I'm very glad to have you. Uh, but yeah, anyone who, anyone who needs to duck out now will miss you. I'll see you next week, hopefully. Spider author, thanks for the follow. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. And uh, folks, I think we're ready, don't you? I cheesed it. What are you saying I cheesed it? I didn't cheese nothing. I'm always cheesing it. Read the books, no surprises. Okay, fantastic. All right, folks. So, um, thank you, Halfbit. I appreciate it. I certainly will. Uh, let me get into my channel art so that the people in the VOD know to stop. Hit pause! Hit pause! YouTube people! Hold on, here it is. Watch, if I yell, I can yell like this, and it's hopefully not going to be too much of an issue. Did it work? Alright, folks. Here we are. Um, now that you YouTube people have hopefully hit the pause button, um, our next series is official. It is going to be the Percy Jackson uh, and the Olympians series. That is where we're heading next. 
Um, I, I appreciate everyone who uh, jumped into the vote. We had, I think, just about 100 votes for that one. Um, in second place, like tied for second place, almost exactly tied the entire time um, was, uh, let's see, Series of Unfortunate Events, um, uh, The Hunger Games, and The Chronicles of Narnia, I believe. And then after that... Who knows? We'll be doing another vote for that one. Um, but I hope you will. Uh, I hope you enjoy that one. I know some of you watched the movies and you were perhaps unimpressed. And I've heard quite a bit about um, just the way that the movies didn't quite do it justice. So my hope is that I can. I am obviously not going to have the uh, the, the same resources that they have to you know put the whole thing together. But um, uh, and actually, another warning, uh, too, in fact. First of all, you are likely going to be hear hearing some recasting. My aim is to be uh, a sprawling ocean of different voices, but I will not be infinite, I am sure. You're going to hear some overlap. Um, uh, you know, perhaps we will hear, uh, you know, different interesting voices pop up. My my aim is not definitely to, to stretch my capabilities and, and uh, make sure that I've got as much diversity as I can. However... Um, Oh, do we have a, do we got a tuna? Hey, there's a tuna. Um, but uh, yeah, you may hear some, some revoices. And then secondly, I don't believe there is such a wealth of art for Percy Jackson. So um, you might be able to, you might anticipate that there's going to be somewhat less uh, on the screen. I might, uh, you know, try to consider some different options, um, but uh, stick with me. We're going to have a great time and uh, I've, I am definitely looking forward to it. I'm not as familiar with it as I am with Harry Potter, but I am very much looking forward to it all the same. Um, so those are my two warnings. Thank you very much, folks. And uh, I look forward to reading that to you soon. Now. <sighs> yeah, I added a thing called Stream Legends and uh, I can't mess with it. So Tuna, you'll have to let me know how it is. If y'all are jumping into Stream Legends right now, um, I thought it would be kind of a fun thing to add, so I hope you're enjoying it, but you'll have to tell me how it is, because I've had a hard time, like, trying to stream and then also work it as a viewer, because I don't get the viewer view, I get the streamer view. Anyway, now, it's officially time to begin. Let's get into our chapter. Chapter 6. The Ghoul in Pajamas The shock of losing Mad-Eye hung over the house in the days that followed. Harry kept expecting to see him stumping in through the back door like the other Order members, who passed in and out in order to relay news. Harry felt that nothing but action would assuage his feelings of guilt and grief and that he ought to set out on his mission and find and destroy the Horcruxes as soon as possible. Well, you can't do anything about the... Ron mouthed the word Horcruxes. Till you're 17. You've still got the trace on you. And we can plan here as well as anywhere, can't we? Or... He dropped his voice to a whisper. Do you reckon that you already know? Where you know what's are. No. Harry admitted. I think the Marnie's been doing a bit of research, said Ron. She said that she was saving it for when you got here. They were sitting at the breakfast table. Mr. Weasley and Bill had just left for work. Mrs. Weasley had gone upstairs to wake Hermione and Ginny, while Fleur had drifted off to take a bath. A trace will break on the 31st, 
said Harry. That means I only need to stay here for four days. Then we can... Five days? Ron corrected him firmly. We've got to stay for the wedding. They will kill us if we miss it. Harry understood they to mean Fleur and Mrs. Weasley. It's one extra day, said Ron, when Harry looked mutinous. Don't they realise how important? Of course they don't, said Ron. They haven't got a clue. And now you mention it, I wanted to talk to you about that. Ron glanced toward the door into the hall to check that Mrs. Weasley was not returning yet, and then leaned in closer to Harry. Mum's been trying to get it out of Hermione and me. What we're off to do. She'll try you next, so brace yourself. Dad and Lupin have both asked as well, but when we said that Dumbledore told you not to tell anyone but us, they dropped it. Not Mum, though. She's determined. Ron's prediction came true within hours. Shortly before lunch, Mrs. Weasley detached Harry from the others by asking him to help identify a lone man's sock she thought might have come out of his rucksack. Once she had him cornered in the tiny scullery off the kitchen, she started. Running Hermione? Uh, I seem to think that the three of you are dropping out of Hogwarts, she began in a light, casual tone. Oh, said Harry. Well, yeah, we are. The mangle turned of its own accord in a corner, wringing out what looked like one of Mr. Weasley's vests. Wait, what? The mangle turned of its own accord in a corner, wringing out what looked... Is a mangle... Is this a thing? What's a mangle? Hello? What is that? <laughs> What's a mangle? <laughs> and why is it turning? What is this thing? Is this a witchcraft thing? I need all you Wiccans to let me know. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's like a washboard, some sort of antiquated, uh, you know, uh, clothing washing mechanism. Might I ask why you're abandoning your education? Said Mrs. Weasley. Well, Dumbledore left me. Stuff to do, mumbled Harry. Ron and Hermione know about it, and they want to come too. What sort of stuff? I'm sorry, I can't... Well, frankly, I think Arthur and I have got a right to know, and I'm sure Mr. and Mrs. Granger would agree, said Mrs. Weasley. Harry had been afraid of the concerned parent attack. He forced himself to look directly into her eyes, noticing as he did so that they were precisely the same shade of brown as Ginny's. This did not help. Dumbledore didn't want anyone else to know, Mrs. Weasley. I'm sorry. Ron and Hermione don't have to come. It's their choice. I don't see why you've got to go either, she snapped, dropping all pretense now. You're barely of age, any of you. It's utter nonsense. If Dumbledore needed work doing, he would have had the whole order at his command. Harry, you must have misunderstood him. Probably he was telling you something that he wanted done, and you took it to mean that he wanted you. I didn't misunderstand, said Harry flatly. It's got to be me. Hey, Shotzi, you be careful. I'm watching you. <laughs> oh, boy. All my, re all my research into voice acting says if you make the faces, it makes the voices better. 
you're probably right. I should watch these back and see what all of my different character vo- character faces look like. Because I know what the voices sound like, at least in my own head. I should see what the faces look like. He handed her back the single sock he was supposed to be identifying, which was patterned with golden bulrushes. And that's not mine. I don't support Pottermore United. Oh, of course not said Mrs. Weasley, with a sudden and rather unnerving return to her casual tone. I should have realised. Well, Harry, well, we've still got you here. You won't mind helping with the preparations for Bill and Flo's wedding, will you? There's still so much to do. No, I... of course not, said Harry, disconcerted by this sudden change of subject. Sweet of you, she replied, and she smiled as she left for the scullery. Excuse me, as she left the scullery. From that moment on, Mrs. Weasley kept Ron, Harry, and Hermione so busy with preparations for the wedding, they hardly had time to think. The kindest explanation of this behavior would have been that Mrs. Weasley wanted to distract them all from thoughts of Mad-Eye and the terrors of their recent journey. After two days of non-stop cutlery cleaning, of color-matching favors, ribbons and flowers, of denoming the garden and helping Mrs. Weasley cook vast batches of canapes, however, Harry started to suspect her of a different motive. All the jobs she handed out seemed to keep him, Ron, and Hermione away from one another. He had not had a chance to speak to the two of them alone since the first night, when he had told them about Voldemort touring... about when he had told them about Voldemort torturing Ollivander. I think Mum thinks that if she can stop the three of you getting together and planning, she'll be able to delay that you're leaving, Ginny told Harry in an undertone as they laid the table for dinner on the third night of his stay. And then what does she think is going to happen? Harry muttered. Someone else might kill off Voldemort while she's holding us here making volavans. He had spoken without thinking and saw Ginny's face whiten. So, it's true, she said. That's what you're trying to do. I, not, I I was joking, said Harry evasively. They stared at each other. There was something more than shock in Ginny's expression. Suddenly, Harry became aware that this was the first time he had been alone with her since those stolen hours in the secluded corners of the Hogwarts grounds. He was sure she was remembering them, too. Both of them jumped as the door opened, and Mr. Weasley, Kingsley, and Bill walked in. They were often joined by other Order members for dinner now, because the borough had replaced Number 12 Grimald Place as the headquarters. Mr. Weasley had explained that after the death of Dumbledore, their secret keeper, Each of the people to whom Dumbledore had confided Grimald Place's location had become a secret keeper in turn. And as there are around twenty of us, that greatly dilutes the power of the Fidelius charm. Twenty times as many opportunities for the Death Eaters to get a secret out of somebody. We can't expect it to hold much longer. But surely Snape will have told the Death Eaters the address by now, said Harry. Well, mad I set up a couple of curses against Snape in case that he turns up there again. We hope that'll be strong enough to keep him out and bind his tongue if he does try to talk about the place, but we can't be sure. Uh, it would have been 
insane to keep using the place as an headquarters now that its protection has become so shaky. The kitchen was so crowded that evening, it was difficult to maneuver knives and forks. Harry found himself crammed in beside Ginny. The unsaid things that had passed between them made him wish they had been separated by a few more people. He was trying so hard to avoid brushing her arm he could barely cut his chicken. No news about Mad-Eye? Harry asked Bill. Nothing, replied Bill. They had not been able to hold a funeral for Moody, because Bill and Lupin had failed to recover his body. It had been difficult to know where he might have fallen given the darkness and the confusion of the battle. A daily prophet hasn't said a word about him dying, or about finding the body, Bill went on. But that doesn't mean much. It's keeping a lot quiet these days. And they still haven't called a hearing about the underage magic I used, escaping the Death Eaters, Harry called across the table to Mr. Weasley, who shook his head. Because they know I had no choice, or they don't want to tell the world that Voldemort attacked me. The latter, I think. Scrimshaw doesn't want to admit that you-know-who is as powerful as he is. Nor that Azkaban has seen a mass breakout. Yeah, why tell the public the truth? said Harry, clutching his knife so tightly that the faint scars in the back of his hand stood out, white against his skin. I must not tell lies. Isn't anyone at the Ministry prepared to stand up to him? asked Ron angrily. Of course, Ron, but people are terrified, Mr. Weasley responded. Terrified? They'll be the next to disappear. Their children the next to be attacked. There are nasty rumours going around. I, for one, don't believe that the Muggle Studies Professor at Hogwarts resigned. She hasn't been seen for weeks now. Meanwhile, Scrimgeour remains shut up in his office all day. I just hope he's working on a plan. There was a pause in which Mr. There was a pause in which Mrs. Weasley magicked the empty plates onto the work surface and served apple tarts. We must dis. We must decide how you will be disguised, I said Fleur, once everyone had pudding. For the wedding, she added, when he looked confused. Of course, none of the guests are death eaters, but we cannot guarantee that they will not let something slip after they have had champagne. From this, Harry gathered that she still suspected Hagrid. Oh, yes, it's a good point, said Mrs. Weasley from the top of the table, where she sat, spectacles perched on the end of her nose scanning an immense list of jobs that she had scribbled on a very long piece of parchment. Now, Ron, you should have cleaned out your room, yes? Why? exclaimed Ron, slamming his spoon down and glaring at his mother. Why does my room have to be cleaned out? Harry and I are fine the way that it is. I... We are holding your brother's wedding here in a few days' time, young man. And are they getting married in my bedroom? asked Ron furiously. No! So why in the name of Merlin's saggy left? Don't talk to your mother like that, said Mr. Weasley firmly. Do as you're told. Ron scowled at both of his parents, then picked up his spoon and attacked the last few mouthfuls of his apple tart. I can help. Some of it's my mess, Harry told Ron, but Mrs. Weasley cut across him. No, Harry dear, I'd much rather that you out Harry. No, Harry dear, I'd much rather that you helped out Arthur muck out the chickens 
And Hermione, I'd be ever so grateful if you'd change the sheets of Monsieur and Madame Delacour. You know that they're arriving at eleven tomorrow morning. But as it turned out, there was very little to do for the chickens. There's no need to, uh, mention it to Molly, Mr. Weasley told Harry, blocking his access to the coop. But, um, Ted Tonks sent me most of what was left of Sirius's bike, and, uh, I'm hard in that. That's to say, keeping, keeping it in here. Fantastic stuff. There's an exhaust gaskin, I think it's called. The most magnificent battery, and it'll be a great opportunity to find out how brakes work. I'm going to try and get it all put back together when Molly's not... Uh, I mean, when I've got time. When they returned to the house, Mrs. Weasley was nowhere to be seen, so Harry slipped upstairs to Ron's attic bedroom. I'm doing it! I'm doing... Oh, it's you, said Ron in relief as Harry entered the room. Ron lay black... Ron lay back down on the bed, which he had evidently just vacated. The room was just as messy as it had been all week. The only change was that Hermione was now sitting in the far corner, her fluffy ginger cat Crookshanks at her feet, sorting books, some of which Harry recognized as his own, into two enormous piles. Hi, Harry, she said as he sat down in his camp bed. And how did you... Oh. And how did you manage to get away? Oh, Ron's mum forgot that she asked Ginny and me to change the sheets yesterday, said Hermione. She threw Nermorology and Grammatica into one pile and the rise and fall of the dark arts into another. We were just asking about Mad Eye, Ron told Harry. I reckon that he might have survived. But Bill saw him get hit by the killing curse, said Harry. Yeah, but Bill was under attack too, said Ron. How can he be sure of what he saw? Even if the killing curse missed, Mad Eye still fell about a thousand feet, said Hermione, now weighing Quidditch teams of Britain and Ireland in her hand. He could have used a shield charm. Flo said that his weapon was blasted out of his hand, said Harry. Well, all right if you want him to be dead, said Ron grumpily, punching his pillow into a more comfortable shape. Of course we don't want him to be dead, said Hermione, looking shocked. It's dreadful that he's dead, but we're being realistic. For the first time, Harry imagined Mad-Eye's body. Broken as Dumbledore's had been, yet with that one eye still whizzing in its socket, he felt a stab of revulsion mixed with a bizarre desire to laugh. The Death Eaters probably tidied up after themselves. That's why no one's found him, said Ron wisely. Yeah, said Harry. Like Barty Crouch turned into a bone and buried in Hagrid's front garden. They probably transfigured Moody and stuffed him. Don't! squealed Hermione. Startled, Harry looked over just in time to see her burst into tears over her copy of Spellman's syb syllabary. Oh, no! said Harry, struggling to get up from the old camp bed. Hermione, I wasn't trying to upset. But with a great creaking of rusty bed springs, Ron bounded off the bed and got there first. One arm around Hermione, 
He fished in his jeans pocket and withdrew a revolting-looking handkerchief that he had used to clean out the oven earlier. Hastily pulling out his wand, he pointed it at the rag and said, Turgio. The wand siphoned off most of the grease. Looking rather pleased with himself, Ron handed the slightly smoking handkerchief to Hermione. Oh, thanks, Ron. I'm sorry. She blew her nose and hiccuped. It's just so awful, isn't it? Right after Dumbledore, I just never imagined. Mad-Eye dying, somehow he seemed so tough. Yeah, I know, said Ron, giving her a squeeze. But you know what he would say if he was here. Constant vigilance, said Hermione, mopping her eyes. That's right, said Ron, nodding. He'd tell us to learn from what's happened to him. And what I've learned is not to trust that cowardly little squit Mundungus. Hermione gave a shaky laugh and leaned forward to pick up two more books. A second later, Ron had snatched his arm back from around her shoulders. She had dropped the Monster Book of Monsters on his foot. The book had broken free from its restraining belt and snapped viciously at Ron's ankle. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hermione cried as Harry wrenched the book from Ron's leg and retied it shut. What are you doing with all these books anyway? Ron said, limping back to his bed. I'm just trying to decide which ones to take with us, said Hermione. When we're looking for the Horcruxes. Oh, yeah, 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 of course, said Ron, clapping a hand to his forehead. I forgot that we'd be hunting down Voldemort with a mobile library. Ha, ha, said Hermione, looking down at Spillman's, Spellman's syllabary. That one goofs me every time. I wonder, will we need to translate runes? It's possible. I think we'd better take it to be safe. She dropped the syllabary onto a larger of the two piles and pick up... Slow down. I told you, this chapter's going to get to me, and it's about to start... She dropped the syllabary into the larger of the two piles and picked up Hogwarts, a history. Listen, said Harry. He had sat up straight. Ron and Hermione looked at him with similar mixtures of resignation and defiance. I know you said after Dumbledore's funeral that you wanted to come with me, Harry began. Here he goes! Ron said to Hermione, rolling his eyes. As we knew he would, she sighed, turning back to the books. You know, I think I will take Hogwarts a history. Even if we're not going back there, I don't think it would feel right if I didn't have it with... Listen, Harry said again. No, Harry, you listen, said Hermione. We're coming with you. That was decided months ago. Years, really. But... Shut up, Ron advised him. Are you sure that you've thought this through? Let's see, said Hermione, slamming Travels with Trolls onto the discarded pile with a rather fierce look. I've been packing for days, so that we're ready to leave at the, a moment's notice, which, for your information, has included some pretty difficult magic, not to mention smuggling Mad-Eye's whole stock of Polyjuice Potion right underneath Ron's mum's nose. I've also modified my parents' memories so that they're convinced they're really called Wendell and Monica Wilkins and that their life's ambition is to move to Australia, which they have now done. 
as to make it more difficult for Voldemort to track them down and interrogate them about me. Or you, because unfortunately I've told him quite a bit about you. Assuming that I survive our hunt for the Horcruxes, I'll find Mum and Dad and lift the enchantment. If I don't, I think I've cast a good enough charm to keep them safe and happy. Wendell and Monica Wilkins don't know that they've got a daughter, you see. Hermione's eyes were swimming with tears again. Ron got back off the bed, put his arm around her once more, and frowned at Harry as though reproaching him for lack of tact. Harry could not think of anything to say, not least because it was highly unusual for Ron to be teaching anyone else tact. I... Hermione, I'm sorry. I didn't... Didn't realize that Ron and I know perfectly well what might happen if we come with you. Well, we do. Ron, show Harry what you've done. No, he's just eaten, said Ron. Go on. He needs to know. All right. All right, Harry, come here. For the second time, Ron withdrew his arm from around Hermione and stumped over to the door. Come on. Why? Harry asked, following Ron out of the room onto the tiny landing. Descendo, muttered Ron, pointing his wand at the low ceiling. A hatch opened right over their heads and a ladder slid down to their feet. A horrible, half-sucking, half-moaning sound came out of the square hole, along with an unpleasant smell like open drains. That's your ghoul, isn't it? asked Harry, who had never actually met the creature that sometimes disrupted the nightly silence. Yeah, it is, said Ron, climbing the ladder. Come and have a look at him. Harry followed Ron up the few short steps into the tiny attic space. His head and shoulders were in the room before he caught sight of the creature curled up a few feet from him, fast asleep in the gloom with its large mouth wide open. It... But it, it look... Do ghouls normally wear pajamas? No, said Ron. Nor do they usually got red hair that... or that many pustules. Harry contemplated the thing, slightly revolted. It was human in shape and size, and was wearing what now that Harry's eyes became used to the darkness, was clearly an old pair of Ron's pajamas. He was also sure that ghouls were generally rather slimy and bald rather than distinctly hairy and covered in angry purple blisters. He's me, see? said Ron. Mm, no, said Harry. I don't. Uh, I'll explain it back into my room. Smells getting to me, said Ron. They climbed back down the ladder, which Ron returned to the ceiling, and rejoined Hermione, who was still sorting books. Once we've left, that ghoul's going to come and live down here in my room, said Ron. I think that is really looking forward to it. Well, it's hard to tell, because all it can do is moan and drool, but he nods a lot when you mention it. Anyway, he's going to be me with Spattergroit. It's pretty good, eh? 
Harry merely looked his confusion. What it is, said Ron, clearly frustrated that Harry had not grasped the brilliance of the plan. Look, when we don't turn up at Hogwarts again, everyone's going to think that Hermione and I must be with you, right? Which means that the Death Eaters will go straight for our families. See if they've got information about where you are. But, hopefully, it'll look like I've gone away with Mum and Dad. A lot of Muggle-borns are talking about going into hiding at the moment. Oh. Let's try that one again. But, hopefully, it'll look like I've gone away with Mum and Dad. A lot of Muggle-borns are talking about going into hiding at the moment, said Hermione. We can't hide my whole family. It'll look too fishy, and they can't all leave their jobs, said Ron. So, we're going to put out the story that I'm seriously ill with Spattergroit, which is why I can't go back to school. If anyone comes calling to investigate, Mum or Dad can show them the ghoul in my bed covered in pustules. Spattergroit is really contagious, they're not going to want to go near him. Doesn't matter that he can't say anything either, because apparently you can't once the fungus is spread to your uvula. And your Mum and Dad are... In on this plan? asked Harry. Mm, Dad is. He helped Fred and George transform the ghoul. Mum? Well, you've seen what she's like. She won't accept that we're going until we've gone. There was silence in the room, broken only by gentle thuds as Hermione continued to throw books into one pile or the other. Ron sat watching her, and Harry looked from one to the other, unable to say anything. The measures that they had taken to protect their families made him realize, more than anything else could have done, that they really were going to come with him, and that they knew exactly how dangerous it would be. He wanted to tell them what it meant to him, but he simply could not find the words important enough. Through the silence came the muffled sounds of Mrs. Weasley shouting from four floors below. Ginny's probably... Oh. <laughs> it's not a line from Mrs. Weasley. We just hear faint shouting and then somebody else says a thing. <laughs> Oops. Ginny's probably left a speck of dust on a poxy napkin ring, said Ron. I don't know why the Delacours have got to come two days before the wedding. Flo's sister is a bridesmaid. She needs to be there for the rehearsal. She's just too young to come on her own, said Hermione, as she poured indecisively over Break with a Banshee. Uh, well, guests aren't going to help Mum's stress levels, said Ron. What we really need to decide, said Hermione, tossing defensive magical theory into the bin without a second glance and picking up an appraisal of magical education in Europe, is where we're going to leave... Where we're going after we leave here. I know that you said that you wanted to go to Godric's Hollow first, and I understand why, but... Well, shouldn't we make the Horcruxes our priority? If we knew where any of the Horcruxes were, I'd agree with you, said Harry, who did not believe that Hermione really understood his desire to return to Godric's Hollow. His parents' grave were only part of the attraction. He had a strong, though inexplicable, feeling that the place held answers for him. Perhaps it was simply because it was where he had survived Voldemort's killing curse. 
Now that he was facing the challenge of repeating the feat, Harry was drawn to the place where it had happened, wanting to understand. Don't you think that it's a possibility that Voldemort's keeping a watch on Godric's Hollow? Hermione asked. He might expect you to go back and visit your parents' graves once you're free to go wherever you like. This had not occurred to Harry. While he struggled to find a counter-argument, Ron spoke up, evidently following his own train of thought. This R.A.B. person, he said. You know, the one that stole the real locket? Hermione nodded. He said in his note that he was going to destroy it, didn't he? Harry dragged his rucksack toward him and pulled out the fake horcrux in which R.A.B.'s note was still folded. I have stolen the real Horcrux and intend to destroy it as soon as I can, Harry read out. Well, what if he did finish it off, said Ron. Or she, interspersed, uh, excuse me, interposed Hermione. Whichever, said Ron. It'd be less for us to do. Yes, but we're still going to have to try and trace the real locket, aren't we, said Hermione, to find out whether or not it's destroyed. And once we get hold of it, "'How do you destroy a Horcrux?' asked Ron. "'Well,' said Hermione, "'I've been researching that.' "'How?' asked Harry. "'I didn't think that there were any books on Horcruxes in the library.' "'Well, there weren't,' said Hermione, who turned pink. "'Dumbledore removed them all, but he... he didn't destroy them.' Ron sat straight up, wide-eyed. Oh, in the name of Merlin's pants, have you managed to get your hands on those Hogwarts, on those Horcrux books? It, it wasn't stealing, said Hermione, looking from Harry to Ron in a kind of desperation. They were still library books, even if Dumbledore had taken them off the shelves. Anyway, if he had really not wanted anyone to get at them, I'm sure that he would have made it much harder to... Get to the point, said Ron. Well... It was easy, said Hermione in a small voice. I just did a summoning charm. You know, Accio. And they zoomed out of Dumbledore's study window right into the girls' dormitory. When did you do this? Harry asked, regarding Hermione with a mixture of admiration and incredulity. Just after his... Dumbledore's funeral, said Hermione in an even smaller voice. Right after we'd agreed to leave the school and go to look for the Horcruxes... When I went back upstairs to get my things, it just occurred to me that the more that we knew about them, the better that it would be. And I was alone in there, so I tried, and it worked. They flew straight through the open window, and I, I packed them. She swallowed and then looked at them imploringly. I can't believe Dumbledore would have been angry. It's not as though we're going to use the information to make a Horcrux, is it? <laughs> Can you hear us complaining? said Ron. Where are these books, anyway? Hermione rummaged for a moment, then extracted from the large pile a volume bound in faded black leather. She looked a little nauseated and held it gingerly as if it were something recently dead. This, this is the one that gives explicit instructions on how to make a Horcrux. Secrets of the Darkest Art. It's a horrible book. Really awful. Full of evil magic. I wonder when Dumbledore removed it from the library. If he didn't do it until he was headmaster, I'll bet that Voldemort got all the information he needed from right here. 
Why did he have to ask Slughorn how to make a Horcrux then, if he'd already read that? Asked Ron. He only approached Slughorn to find out what would happen if you split your soul into seven, said Harry. Dumbledore was sure that Riddle already knew how to make a Horcrux by the time that he asked Slughorn about them. I think you're right, Hermione. That could easily have been where he got the information. And the more that I've read about them, said Hermione, the more horrible they seem and the less I can believe that he actually made six. It warns in this book how unstable you make the rest of your soul by ripping it, and that's exactly what was done in making just one Horcrux. Harry remembered what Dumbledore had said about Voldemort moving beyond usual evil. Isn't there any way of putting yourself back together? Ron asked. Yes, said Hermione with a hollow smile, but it would be excruciatingly painful. Why? How do you do it? asked Harry. Remorse, said Hermione. You've got to really feel what you've done. There's a footnote. Apparently the pain of it can destroy you. I can't see Voldemort attempting it somehow, can you? No, said Ron, before Harry could answer. So does it say how to destroy Horcruxes in that book? Yes, said Hermione, now turning the fragile pages as if examining rotting entrails. Because it warns dark wizards how strong they have to make the enchantments on them. From what I've read, what Harry did to Riddle's diary was one of only a few really foolproof ways of destroying a Horcrux. What, stabbing it with a basilisk fang? asked Harry. Oh, well, lucky us we've got such a large supply of basilisk fangs then, said Ron. I was wondering what we were going to do with all of them. It doesn't have to be a basilisk fang, said Hermione patiently. It's got to be something so destructive that the Horcrux can't repair itself. Basilisk venom only has one antidote, and it's incredibly rare. Phoenix tears, said Harry, nodding. Exactly, said Hermione. Our problem is that there are very few substances as destructive as basilisk venom, and they're all dangerous to carry around with you. That's a problem we're going to have to solve, though, because ripping, smashing, or crushing a horcrux won't do the trick. It's got to be put beyond magical repair. But even if we wreck the thing that it lives in said Ron. Why can't the bit of soul just go and live in something else? Because a Horcrux is the complete opposite of a human being. See, when we get into book seven, and I knew this was coming, it often gives you fewer notations as to who is actually speaking, so sometimes I'm going to get confused and uh, because it doesn't actually tell me who says this line. It's just about the... Um, the cadence of it, I guess, and what comes afterward that we sort of realize in the moment, oh, it was Harry talking, not Hermione. Come on. Come on, Sidecar, get it together. <laughs> because a Horcrux is the complete opposite of a human being. Seeing that Harry and Ron looked thoroughly confused. Oh my god, I got, see, I did it wrong. I did it right the first time, and then I went back and I said that thing, and now I'm goofed again. <laughs> so technically is the one ring a horcrux says frodo the hufflepuff that's an interesting question and i get my oof from tuna sunday that's it i'm i quit chat <laughs> okay refocus 
because a Horcrux is the complete opposite of a human being. Seeing that Harry and Ron looked thoroughly confused, and so is sidecar Sam, Hermione hurried on. Look, if I picked up a sword right now, Ron, and ran you through with it, I wouldn't damage your soul at all. Which would be a real comfort to me, I'm sure, said Ron. Harry laughed. It should be, actually. But my point is that whatever happens to your body, your soul will survive, untouched, said Hermione. But it's the other way around with the Horcrux. The fragment of soul inside depends on its container, its enchanted body for survival. It can't exist without it. Okay, a quick question for you, chat. What does that mean for nearly headless Nick? If your body is to remain unchanged... Uh, excuse me, if your soul remains unchanged in spite of what happens to your body, why is nearly headless Nick's head only partially connected? Was something done to his soul in this instant? I wonder if it's sort of a, a moment of acceptance of, you know, sort of like uh, internalizing, I guess, the idea that you are separated from your head. We know that he's got a bit of a complex about it. Anyway, let's move on. The diary sort of died when I stabbed it, said Harry, remembering ink pouring like blood from the punctured pages and the screams of the piece of Voldemort's soul as it vanished. And once the diary was properly destroyed, the bit of soul trapped in it could no longer exist. Ginny tried to get rid of the diary before you did, flashing it away, but obviously it came back as good as new. Hang on, said Ron, frowning. That bit of soul that was in the diary was possessing Ginny, wasn't it? How does that work, then? While the magical container is still intact, the bit of soul inside can flit in and out as if... Well, if someone gets too close to the, the object. I don't mean holding on to it for too long. It's got nothing to do with actually touching it, she added before Ron could speak. I mean close emotionally. Jenny poured her heart out into that diary. She made herself incredibly vulnerable. You're in trouble if you get too fond or dependent on the Horcrux. I wonder how Dumbledore destroyed the ring, said Harry. Why didn't I ask him? I never really... His voice tailed away. He was thinking of all the things he should have asked Dumbledore, and of how, since the headmaster had died, it seemed to Harry he had wasted so many opportunities when Dumbledore had been alive. To find out more. To find out everything. The silence was shattered as the bedroom door flew open with a wall-shaking crash. Hermione shrieked and dropped Secrets of the Darkest Art. Crookshanks streaked under the bed, hissing indignantly. Ron jumped off the bed, skidded on a discarded chocolate frog wrapper, and smacked his head on the opposite wall. And Harry instinctively dived for his wand without realizing he was looking up at Mrs. Weasley, whose hair was disheveled and whose face was contorted with rage. I'm so sorry to break up this cozy little gathering, she said, her voice trembling. I'm sure that you all need your rest, but there are wedding presents stacked in my room that need sorting out, and I was under the impression that you had all agreed to help. Oh, yes, said Hermione, looking terrified as she leapt to her feet, sending books flying in every direction. We will, 
We're sorry. With an anguished look at Harry and Ron, Hermione hurried out of the room after Mrs. Weasley. It's like being a house elf, complained Ron in an undertone, still massaging his head as he and Harry followed. Except without the job satisfaction. The sooner that this wedding's over, the happier I'll be. Happier? What? As soon as this wedding's over, the happier I'll be. Yeah, said Harry. Then we'll have nothing to do except find Horcruxes. It'll be like a holiday, won't it? Ron started to laugh, but at the sight of the enormous pile of wedding presents waiting for them in Mrs. Weasley's room, stopped quite abruptly. And at long last, finally... It has been a minute since our last Chatter Break, but we finally got one. Alright, folks, here's our question for Chatter Break. We've got, uh, we've got sort of a number of headings here. Where do we think, um, uh, what do we think is the most sort of prudent tactical plan here? Um, uh, Harry has expressed an interest in going to Godric's Hollow. There are obviously some complications there, as Hermione brings up. And, uh, let's actually, let's go back to the library here briefly while we're, while we're around. I also realized as we were going that, that special, that cool new hotkey thing that I did with my, my two different mics, um, I... <laughs> I keyed it to my up arrow, up for loud, um, and I did go ahead and realize as soon as I started the chapter that, oh, that's just going to scroll my PDF away from whatever words I'm trying to read. So I'm going to go ahead and while y'all are talking about this, I'm going to remap that super quickly. Um, yeah, that's some good Molly art. We're going to be going back to that in just a second because we're close to the end of the chapter. But um, yeah, for our chatter break... Um, what do we think is sort of weighing on people's minds? What are the risks that all of our characters are are sort of processing right now? Saucy Pop says they're kind of winging it, not sure which direction to go and start to figure out what the Horcruxes are. Um, I think that's a great, I think that's a great observation, this sort of winging it attitude. And I think that is kind of one of our, that's one of our motifs for this whole series, right? As we're getting into the discussion of, um, you know, something being really important in your life and then sort of trying to just find your own way with it in ways that you can't really be helped with. I think this is kind of a parallel to what these last three books mostly, this book and the, the two previous, the two prior, um, that's a lot of what these books are about is the process of growing up. I think it's a parallel for that. Um Uh, Iroh says Dwath, which I'm wondering if you meant death, <laughs> the possibility of death, says Louis Allen. Um, uh, let's see, Jem says, uh, trying to get it, in, get it in Harry's head that they aren't letting him go alone, ever. Um, and then, yeah, Shotzi and Miss Frizzle are talking about something that I can't track because it happened way back before, but uh, good luck to both of you. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um I think that's, yeah, you know, we get to see a lot. We've talked a ton in our Frankenstein series recently about point of view. Um, this book is written from a third-person, semi-omniscient point of view, which means third-person, it means that we're not, like, this isn't Harry telling us this story. It's not I, you know, I picked up my wand and I cast this spell. It's Harry picked up his wand, Harry cast the spell. It's as if we're sort of a ghost. And then there is the added uh, qualifier of semi-omniscient, 
which means that we get to know some people's thoughts. It's not just simply a description of what Harry's doing. We also know how Harry feels about certain things. Um, we have sort of a supernatural ability to look into Harry's mind. Um, fully omniscient means we would be able to do that to a bunch of folks here, but semi-omniscient means we just get a few. In this case, it's basically just Harry. And with that, we know what Harry fears. We know the things that are making Harry afraid. We've talked about, you know, the possibility of death. We've talked about the, the confusion as to what do you do once you've got a Horcrux in hand. Um, but think about Ron and Hermione here. And the two of them really uh, are, they're what make chapter six here so challenging for Sam, personally. Um, I hold my family very important to me and as such, with Hermione talking about the lengths that she had to go through to ensure that her family was safe, she made her she made her parents forget that she existed. That's huge. Ron having to consider how closely his parents and his whole family are tied into the magical world, how knowing that they are going to be in massive amounts of danger. Hermione can kind of send her parents off. They, they exist in a, in a muggle world that doesn't necessarily know a ton about them. Death Eaters know, like, they'll know when, when Mr. Weasley's birthday is. And of course, they can find these things out about Hermione's parents, but it'll be more challenging, whereas Ron's family is so tied into the magical world. They are high profile, they are purebloods, um, which means they're sort of on the Death Eater radar already. They're considered, you know, blood traitors because they are they don't ascribe to this nonsense sort of like pure bloods come first kind of mentality um uh that really sort of evil seductive uh seductive reductive uh, i mean it is seductive to some folks because it makes them believe hey i can be special simply because of who i was born as um um and uh that makes me better than other folks so i do think it is seductive to some folks but this reductive way of thinking about people um but I just want to sort of emphasize that. Uh, yeah, Iroh says Harry might lose his friends. Indeed, and his friends might lose their families. Um, uh, let's see. You're <laughs> talking about how one sorts wrapped wedding presents. Okay, that's a good point. That's kind of a funny idea. Um, yeah, maybe they've got a, a special, like... <laughs> I'm sure Mrs. Weasley's got it all memorized somewhere in the back there. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, yeah, Witch Hazel says, getting ready to leave without knowing if they will come back. It seems they have all expect, uh, sort of come to accept this. I'm doing all sorts of, like, really crazy syllable switching today, and I don't know what the deal is, but, um, I think it's an excellent point. Harry has been able to accept this, I think, perhaps, maybe not more easily, but more readily. He's done it a while ago. Um... And while he's got the Weasleys, they're not his family. They're a surrogate family for sure. They're sort of adoptive of him. They care for him deeply, and he cares deeply for them. But they're not a family that he has spent his life with. And Ron is not so disconnected as that. Hermione's not so disconnected as that either. So... I'm going to bounce back to chat in just a second. As I said, i got to go in here and uh, change a quick hotkey thing because I realized that it wasn't doing me any favors. Not if I have to scroll all the way away from my, <laughs> from my system. If it, it just scrolls my, uh, my PDF all around. Okay, so what do I want this to be? 
Um, I want it to be something that's not gonna like, <laughs> it's not gonna mess with my, not gonna mess with my system. Um, let's try the number pad decimal. Maybe that'll work. It's gonna be harder to find on the fly, but I'm gonna give it a shot. All right. Hogwarts Hippie says, Harry's already experienced major losses, so I think he's been careful not to get too close to anyone for fear of one day losing them. We have seen this, we've seen this a ton with uh, with Ginny recently, you know? We've seen exactly how he is trying to keep Ginny sort of at an arm's length, emotionally. Um, and these emotional connections, you know, we're talking about that not just with people, but with these objects, with these horcruxes, and how people can get dependent on, uh, emotionally dependent on objects like this. We know that Voldemort is, right? This isn't just sort of a, this is not just a, a magical, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, magical spells where he's got his, you know, you know, I, I slice off part of my soul and I attach it to an object. No, he has, he is so emotionally invested in these objects and what they mean. And now Harry kind of is too. He knows what an enormous impact they're going to have on his future. So. I think that was a great chatter break, talking about our, our themes and our motifs, talking about uh, coming of age, talking about emotional attachments. Good stuff. Let's get back into it. Finish off this chapter here. The Delacours arrived the following morning at 11 o'clock. Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny were feeling quite resentful toward Fleur's family by this time, and it was with ill grace that Ron stumped back upstairs to put on matching socks, and Harry attempted to flatten his hair. Once they had been deemed smart enough, they trooped out into the sunny backyard to await the visitors. Harry had never seen the place looking so tidy. The rusty cauldrons and old Wellington boots that usually littered the steps by the back door were gone replaced by two new flutterby bushes standing on either side of the door in large pots. Though there was no breeze, the leaves waved lazily, giving an attractive rippling effect. The chickens had been shut away, the yard had been swept, and the nearby garden had been pruned, plucked, and generally spruced up, although Harry, who liked it in its overgrown state, thought it looked rather forlorn without its usual contingent of capering gnomes. He had lost track of how many security enchantments had been placed on the borough by both the Order and the Ministry. All he knew was that it was no longer possible for anybody to travel by magic directly into this place. Mr. Weasley had, therefore... Uh, Mr. Weasley had, therefore, gone to meet the Delacours on the top of a nearby hill, where they were to arrive by portkey. The first sound of their approach was an unusually high-pitched laugh, which turned out to be coming from Mr. Weasley, who appeared at the gate moments later, laden with luggage and leading a beautiful blonde woman in long, leaf-green robes, who could only be Fleur's mother. Mama! cried Fleur, rushing forward to embrace her. Papa! Monsieur Delacour was nowhere near as attractive as his wife. He was a head shorter and extremely plump, with a little black pointed beard. However, he looked good-natured. Bouncing toward Mrs. Weasley on high-heeled boots, he kissed her twice on each cheek, leaving her flustered. "'You have been to much trouble,' he said in a deep voice. "'Fleur tells us that you have been working very hard.' "'Oh, it's nothing,' 
trilled Mrs. Weasley. No trouble at all. Ron relieved his feelings by aiming a kick at a gnome who was peering out from behind one of the new Flutterby bushes. Dear lady, said Monsieur Delacour, still holding Mrs. Weasley's hand between the two plump ones of his own and beaming. We are most honored at the approaching union of our two families. Let me present my wife, Apolline. Madame Delacour glided forward and stooped to kiss Mrs. Weasley, too. Enchanté, she said. Your husband has been telling us such amusing stories. Mr. Weasley gave a maniacal laugh. You know what? I'm going to give this one a shot. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley threw him a look, upon which he became immediately silent and ex uh, assumed an expression appropriate to the sickbed of a close friend. And of course you have met my little daughter, Gabrielle, said Monsieur Delacour. Gabrielle was Fleur in miniature, eleven years old, with waist-length hair of pure silvery, silvery blonde. She gave Mrs. Weasley a dazzling smile and hugged her, then threw Harry a glowering look, batting her eyelashes. Ginny cleared her throat loudly. Well, come in, do, said Mrs. Weasley brightly, and she ushered the Delacours into the house, with many, No, please, and off to you, and not at all. The Delacours, it soon transpired, were helpful, pleasant guests. They were pleased with everything and keen to assist with preparations for the wedding. Monsieur Delacour pronounced everything from the seating plan to the bridesmaid's shoes, Charmant! Madame Delacour was the most accomplished at household spells and, uh, oh, Madame Delacour was most accomplished at household spells and had the oven properly cleaned in a trice. Gabrielle followed her elder sister around, trying to assist in any way she could, and jabbering away in rapid French. On the downside, the burrow was not built to accommodate so many people. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were now sleeping in the sitting room, having shouted down Monsieur and Madame Delacour's protests and insisting they take their bedroom. Gabrielle was sleeping with Fleur in Percy's old room, and Bill would be sharing with Charlie, his best man, once Charlie arrived from Romania. Opportunities to make plans together became virtually non-existent, and it was in desperation that Ron, Harry, and Hermione took to volunteering to feed the chickens just to escape the overcrowded house. But she still won't leave us alone, snarled Ron, as their second attempt at a meeting in the yard was foiled by the appearance of Mrs. Weasley, carrying a large basket of laundry in her arms. Oh, good, as soon as you fed the chickens, she called as she approached them. You'd better get them shut away before the men arrive tomorrow to put up the tent for the wedding, she explained, pausing to lean in against the hen house. She looked exhausted. Millamont's magic marquees, the very good. Bill's escorting him. You better stay inside while they're here, Harry. I must say it does complicate trying to organise a wedding. Having all these security spells around the place. I'm sorry, said Harry humbly. Oh, don't be silly, dear, said Mrs. Weasley at once. I didn't mean... Uh, your, your safety's much more important. Actually, I've been wanting to ask you how you want to celebrate your birthday, Harry. 
17, after all, it's an important day. I don't want to fuss, said Harry quickly, envisaging the additional strain this would put upon them all. Really, Mrs. Weasley, just a normal dinner will be fine. It's the day before the wedding. Oh, well, if you're sure, dear. But uh, I'll invite Remus and Tonks, shall I? How about Hagrid? That'd be great, said Harry. But please don't go to loads of trouble. Not at all. Not at all. It's no trouble. She looked at him. A long, searching look. And then smiled a little sadly. Straightened up and walked away. Harry watched as she waved her wand near the washing line and the damp clothes rose into the air to hang themselves up. And suddenly, he felt a great wave of remorse for the inconvenience and the pain he was giving her. And that is the end of our chapter. Folks, I will remind you now two things. A, join the Discord. B, mute the Discord. <laughs> That's right. You heard me. Um, join up with the Discord. Um, you can find that link in, well, in the description box below just about anywhere that this video is. Um, go check that out. Go to the notifications channel. It's up in the general area. Pick the stuff you want to hear about. Go ahead and pick that, and then you will. You can go ahead and mute the entire server. You can mute individual channels. You can mute categories. That is why I use Discord, so that you don't have to hear about every little thing, because I know I do a bunch of different stuff, and you might be super into Dungeon World. You might not care about Harry Potter. You might not care about the game stuff. Maybe you only care about Harry Potter. Go ahead, check out the notifications channel in the Discord. Um, I'm going to drop that link right now. There we go. Jump into the Discord. Um, you can go ahead and you can see it over there. There it is. It's down there. It's in the chat. Um, and then, of course, it's in the description box, both here on Twitch, here on YouTube, when this goes up on YouTube. Um, a second reminder, first of all, um, I am changing up my upload schedule. I'm going to do everything exactly 24 hours before the stream that it is, right? So whenever this thing, so if you're watching this on YouTube, whatever time this premiered for you, Exactly 24 hours after that, that's when you should be looking for the live stuff. I realized I'm doing it immediately beforehand. That's why I've been doing it so far. Um, that's probably going to make it pretty tough for people who want to catch up. It means you have to be here for like eight hours straight, and that's no good. So um, I'm doing it exactly 24 hours beforehand. Folks, let me, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take our break here. I'm going to take five minutes, and then I'm coming back. We're going to do our second chapter. Um, I'm looking forward to it. We're through chapter six. Uh, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, although I, you know, I'm not going to lie, it was still challenging. <laughs> Y'all might have heard that, uh, especially during the Hermione bit. That one was that that moment gets to me quite a bit. Um, and then here at the end, fortunately, it's not a long one, but this bit at the end here with uh, um, uh, Mrs. Weasley, it's tough. <laughs> Lisa Hall says, "Not care about Harry Potter, blasphemy." That's what. <laughs> That's what, that's what she sounds like. That's, uh, that's, you know, that's what Lisa Hall sounds like. Of course. I couldn't possibly be wrong about this, could I? <laughs> All right, folks. Now, um, I think let us, uh, let us go into our break. Holly Rose says, I loved Mr. Weasley's laugh. <laughs> Good. 
<laughs> um, yeah, Mama Cass walked in at exactly when I was doing that, so she got to hear the uh, precisely the weirdest part of the entire stream today. Sierra says, I wonder why they would skip his birthday in the movie. Yeah, I think just sort of cutting for time, essentially. This is, um, let's see, Frodo says, this is the part, uh, this is like the part where Uncle Iroh tells Zuko he sees him as his own. Ooh, I see, I would love if there were a, um, uh, a, like, Avatar The Last Airbender book, I guess, that I could read through for y'all. I don't think it would make any sense to just do, like, a one-to-one, -one, just use the, <laughs> use the script from the show, um, but I love that. I think it's one of the most fantastic, uh, animated series in existence. Das ist wunderbar. Um, a male Baptist preacher? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right, folks. I'm going to take a break. I'll see you all in five minutes. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy our sweet new art. It's It was new last week. Let's be honest. It's still super new. Uh, Y'all can uh, give a shout out to Holly Rose for this. Um, the, uh, the attribution for that is going to be right up here. So watch. Ta-da!
back. We're back, folks. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. It's been five whole minutes. Um, honestly, almost five whole minutes. Uh, hey, Mama Pork Chop and the 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 Pork Chop uh, the Piglets. I don't know. What do we? <laughs> what should we call you and your group, Mama Pork Chop? Because um, I like the sound of a a little like listening party. That sounds awesome. That sounds great. I actually wanted to. I there was there was another uh, podcast that I listened to that um, uh, has like like gives shout outs to individual listening parties, and I wanted to do that, and then I immediately realized I immediately realized, hey, this is like there's sort of quarantine con the baby chops, <laughs> baby chops to do, 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 do baby chops. Um, yeah, I realized it's it's definitely quarantine conditions, and I shouldn't be encouraging any of that kind of behavior. So I'm not gonna. For you, obviously, the baby chops. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, gang. <laughs> the fritters. The fritters is really good. But hey, baby chops. Baby chops. We got it on the board. Um, but uh, yeah, Mama, Mama Pork Chop and to all of your group, hello. I hope you're doing well. Um, uh, sloth Creatures said, and by the way, Sloth Creatures, I find such an interesting username because it's plural. <laughs> it's not It's not a sloth creature. It's sloth creatures. Um, which just feels like a really adorable sort of uh, like Cthulhu sort of like eldritch horror. <laughs> um, uh, in, like an eldritch snuggler. Sloth creatures. Anyway, I'm listening to I'm listening while trying to do laundry. Forgot Kleenex in pockets and <laughs> shreds everywhere. <laughs> uh oh. Good luck with that confetti. Um, uh, Witch Hazel says, I put my painting in off topic if anyone wants to go look. Hey, I'm going to go look. Hold on. Hold on. Where's off topic at? Here we go. I keep it muted, I will admit, um, because it's, it's uh, look, some of the stuff in there I simply can't keep track of. Oh, that's fantastic. I really, I really miss it, but uh, I love Iroh. That's lovely. It's also small. I don't know if I could ever work that small, unless you've got enormous hands. That's the only thing I've got for scale, so... Uh, yeah, I guess. Witch Hazel, let us know if you've got, like, two-foot-wide hands. No, I think, like, I would have to work really big so that you could sort of step back and it would look fine, but, uh... Eh. Eh. Sloth creatures are some of Lupin's monsters. Oh, I see, Hogwarts Hippie. <laughs> Indeed. Your brother called you a sloth creature and, uh, lurk slash lurch. <laughs> I see. Oh, your your brother sounds. Um, I hope is all in in good fun. Otherwise, your brother sounds like kind of a tool. Sorry, bud. That is a fantastic Uncle Iroh. I like his I like his posture. I like um uh, I like how you've posed Uncle Iroh there. That sort of comforting, like calm, centered, strong sort of. I don't know. I don't. I won't. I won't get too far into it. But yes, that is fantastic and uh, well done. Smarko Lovegood says, uh, husband, Mrs. Lovegood, can I get your help? Me. Oh, uh, but sidecar Sam. Sam, and that is the end of the chapter. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so you you sort of put things on pause. I see. Yeah, it is small, Witch Hazel. Um, boop, there we go. All right. Team Bean says, hi, everyone. Just got on. Had to work late today. You have missed chapter, uh, our first chapter for the night. And as such, tell you what, typically I do a review for everyone. This time the review is just for you, Teen Bean 1967. It's just for you. This is just your review. Everyone else, you have to mute it now. Otherwise, it 
it doesn't count. I don't know. Um, chapter six, the ghoul in pajamas. Everyone's kind of reeling, right? After uh, after the, the, the terrors of trying to get Harry out of number four Privet Drive and to the burrow. Um, the things that uh, the things that we have seen, the, the sort of horrors we are suddenly exposed to, um, the they they are, you know, they're they're short. It's not like they're they're these like intricate like torturous things. It's so brief, almost dismissive. Suddenly, um, Hedwig is gone. Mad Eye Moody is gone, and. Everyone at the borough is trying to deal with that. Meanwhile, Harry, of course, has the uh, the added complications of trying to coordinate with Ron and Hermione what their plans are when they leave the borough. They plan to to leave. Harry keeps forgetting about the wedding. I think he's just antsy to get out of there, get moving, get hunting these Horcruxes. He knows that people are in danger while the Horcruxes are still there, while Voldemort is still powerful. And as such, he's sort of antsy to go. He keeps forgetting about the wedding. But the wedding is important, and... Although Mrs. Weasley sort of tries to pry out of him what, what exactly the plans are, he insists he cannot tell. It was Dumbledore's orders that uh, he tell no one but Ron and Hermione. She seems to accept this at first, but then he sort of realizes, oh, okay, he's keeping me and Ron and Hermione all apart so we can't do any proper planning. <laughs> Shotzi. <laughs> um... The uh, the planning that they have to do, of course, is what are they going to bring? Hermione's got a whole bunch of books she has to sort of sort through. Um, Harry once again sort of challenges them to ask, are you sure you thought this through? Are you sure you want to come with me? And they express, we're sure. Harry, listen up to what we've done in preparation for this. Hermione has gone to such great lengths as to make her own parents forget she exists. She has given them a great desire to move to Australia to keep them safe. Ron has been working with his dad and his brothers to create um, the titular ghoul in pajamas. Um, the, uh, the, the ghoul that they've got in their attic, they've sort of been working to transform into, we'll call it an almost Ron. We'll call it a sort of Ron. <laughs> This is our this is our quasi Ron, um, and uh, it's supposed to look like Ron with Spattergroit. Essentially, once Ron leaves, they need some way to show people. Oh no, you know Ron's not with Harry Potter. No, no, Ron's up in his room. He's just got Spattergroit. You don't want to go anywhere near him. I mean, we can show him to you. He looks horrible. Oh, look at it. Oh, look at. Oh, you better not come in here. Better if you don't. Better if you don't look too closely. They've taken some some real efforts here to keep their families safe. They are coming with Harry. It's final. Hermione even, even says a great line. It was decided months ago, years really. And I like that moment where she says, you know what? We sort of, we pieced together how loyal we were gonna be to one another a long time ago. This sort of like the decision of, you know, what is it this time that is going to test our loyalty? Doesn't really matter. We dedicated ourselves to one another years ago that's how i read it anyway uh mama porkchop says did mad eye ever fall in love now that would be an interesting one saucy pop says sometimes i get caught up in knowing mad eye as mad eye from book four but then i catch myself wondering if that was really what he would have been like 
if he had more if we had had more time with him in these books yeah i think that's an interesting question right because we we know mad eye really pretty well but do we because remember for a lot of book four it was not mad eye at all it was barty crouch jr disguised as mad eye um so we know we know you know sort of how we know how other people how a how a fairly unhinged um son of a politician views mad eye but do we know the the real mad eye something to think about um my workshop was wondering if his if his magic eye glowed in the dark do you think that would have been made would have made him more likely to fall in love i know you weren't trying to connect those thoughts but i'm going to i'm going to do it for you yeah barty definitely sparkle lovegood says uh barty studied mad eye to portray him i think we got a fairly accurate reading but you know even within that there's all there's a lot of interpretation i think with any role um uh there's a lot of interpreting um uh, like intentions and motives and such that are hard to dig into because you know mad eye moody's not going to flat out say uh yeah i only drink out of a flask because i don't trust any liquid that anybody else is giving me stuff like that so um let's return to our <laughs> let's return to our our summary here um here it gets a few moments to talk with Ron and Hermione uh, in between all of the very busy moments that uh, uh, Mrs. Weasley sort of keeping held over their heads so that they can't have too much time together. Trying to, we think she's trying to delay their departure. Um, and uh, let's see, finally, the, um, the, the Delacroix evolve. Evolve. Let's try arrive. Also, what did I just call them? I think it's Delacour. I don't know if I said that right. Anyway, I'm getting a little lost. I can feel I can feel something happening up sort of uh, <laughs> up in my like temporal lobe up there. Something's gone wonky. It's all right. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it through. No problem. Um, but uh, at the very end of our chapter, I talk a little bit about uh, um, uh, possibly some plans for Harry's birthday, which Harry admits he hadn't really thought much about. So that's where we are. Um, there you go, gang. This is, I hope only one person listened to that. I hope, because that was just for the one, that was just for one person. That was only for Teen Bean. So if the rest of you heard that, uh, for shame, for shame on you. Let's get into our next chapter, shall we? It's about time. You are allowed to unmute now, yes. But the fact that you're asking if you can unmute now sort of gives me an impression. Sam has crashed. Yes, <laughs> 404. 404. Sam not found. Um, the, the fact that you know it's time to unmute makes me very suspicious of you, Saucy Pops. Chapter 7. And while I've got you all here... Um, I will remind you one more time, jump into the Discord, everyone. If you're watching this on YouTube, absolutely jump in there. It's the only spot to get the uh, to get the full the, uh, the full rack of notifications. Go to the notifications channel and then pick what you like and then mute the whole thing. That's why I use Discord. It's very mutable. You'll still get the notifications you like. You can go and mute individual channels, categories, what have you. Uh, all right, let us continue. Chapter 7. 
The Will of Albus Dumbledore. He was walking along a mountain road in the cold blue light of dawn. Far below, swathed in mist, was the shadow of a small town. Was the man he sought down there? The man he needed so badly that he could think of little else. The man who held the answer. The answer to his problem. What? Hey, wake up! Harry opened his eyes. He was lying again on the camp bed in Ron's dingy attic room. The sun had not yet risen, and the room was still shadowy. Pigwidgeon was asleep with his head under his tiny wing. The scar on Harry's forehead was prickling. You were muttering in your sleep. Was I? Yeah. Grigorovich? He kept saying Grigorovich. Harry was not wearing his glasses. Ron's face appeared slightly blurred. Who's Grigorovich? Well, I don't know, do I? You were the one saying it. Harry rubbed his forehead, thinking. He had a vague idea that he had heard the name before, but he could not think where. I think Voldemort is looking for him. Poor bloke, said Ron fervently. Harry sat up, still rubbing his scar, now wide awake. He tried to remember He tried to remember exactly what he had seen in the dream, but that all came back as a mountainous horizon and the outline of a little village cradled in a deep valley. I think I think he's abroad. Who? Grigorovich? Voldemort, I think he's somewhere abroad looking for Grigorovich. It didn't look like anywhere in Britain. Do you reckon that you were seeing into his mind again? Ron sounded worried. Do me a favor and don't tell Hermione. Although, how she expects me to stop seeing this stuff in my sleep? He gazed up at little Pigwidgeon's cage, thinking, Why was the name Grigorovich familiar? I think, Harry said slowly, that he's got something to do with Quidditch. There's some connection, but I can't, I, I can't think of what it is. Quidditch, said Ron. Sure that you're not thinking of Gorgovich? Who? Dragomir Gorgovich, chaser. Transferred to the Chudley Cannons for a record fee two years ago. Record holder for the most quaffled drops in a season. No, said Harry. I'm definitely not thinking of Gorgovich. I try not to either, said Ron. Well, happy birthday anyway. Wow, right, I forgot. <laughs> I'm, I'm 17. Harry seized the wand lying beside his camp bed, pointed it at the cluttered desk where he had left his glasses, and said, Accio glasses. Although they were only a foot away, there was something immensely satisfying about seeing them zoom toward him, at least until they poked him in the eye. <laughs> Slick, snorted Ron. Reveling in the removal of his trace, Harry sent Ron's possessions flying around the room, causing Pigwidgeon to wake up and flutter excitedly in his cage. <laughs> Harry also tried tying the laces of his trainers by magic, 
The resultant knot took several minutes to untie by hand, and purely for the pleasure of it, turned the orange robes on Ron's Chudley Cannons posters bright blue. I would do your fly by hand, though, Ron advised Harry, sniggering when Harry immediately checked it. Here's your present. Unwrap it up here, it's not for my mother's eyes. A book, said Harry as he took the rectangular parcel. Bit of a departure from tradition, isn't it? This isn't your average book, said Ron. It's pure gold. Twelve fail-safe ways to charm witches. It explains everything that you need to know about girls. If only I'd had this last year, I would have known exactly how to get rid of lavender, and I would have known how to get going with... Well, Fred and George gave me a copy, and I learned a lot. You'd be surprised, it's not all about wand work, either. When they arrived in the kitchen, they found a pile of presents waiting on the table. Bill and Monsieur Delacour were finishing with breakfast, while Mrs. Weasley stood chatting with them over the frying pan. Arthur told me to wish you a happy 17th, Harry, said Mrs. Weasley, beaming at him. He had to leave early for work, but he'll be back for dinner. That's our present on top. <coughs> Harry sat down took the square parcel she had indicated and unwrapped it. Inside was a watch, very like the one Mr. and Mrs. Weasley had given Ron for his seventeenth. It was gold, with stars circling the face instead of hands. "'It's traditional to give a wizard a watch when he comes of age,' said Mrs. Weasley, giving him anxious looks from behind the cooker. I'm afraid that that one isn't new like Ron's. It was actually my brother Fabian's, and he wasn't terribly careful with his possessions. It's a bit dented on the back, but... The rest of her speech was lost. Harry had got up and hugged her. He tried to put a lot of unsaid things into the hug. And perhaps she understood them, because she patted his cheek clumsily when he released her then waved her hand in a slightly random way, causing half a pack of bacon to flop out of the frying pan onto the floor. "'Happy birthday, Harry!' said Hermione, hurrying into the kitchen and adding her own present to the top of the pile. "'It's not much, but I hope you like it. What did you get him?' she added to Ron, who seemed not to hear her. "'Come on, then, open Hermione's,' said Ron. She had bought him a new sneakoscope. The other packages contained an enchanted razor from Bill and Fleur. I guess this will give you the smoothest shave that you have ever had. Oh, why would, why would Fleur? <laughs> Let's try that one more time. Uh, yes, this will give you the smoothest shave that you will ever have, Monsieur Delacour assured him. But you must tell it clearly what you want. Otherwise, you might find that you have a little less hair than you would like. <laughs> Chocolates from the Delacours, and an enormous box of the latest Weasley's Wizard Wheezes merchandise from Fred and George. Harry, Ron, and Hermione did not linger at the table. As the arrival of Madame Delacour, Fleur, and Gabrielle made the kitchen uncomfortably crowded. I'll pack these for you, Hermione said brightly, taking Harry's presents out of his arms as the three of them headed back upstairs. I'm nearly done. I'm just waiting for the rest of your underpants to come out of the wash, Ron. Ron's splutter was interrupted by the opening of a door on the first floor landing. 
Harry, will you come here for a moment? It was Ginny. Ron came to an abrupt halt, but Hermione took him by the elbow and tugged him up back onto the stairs. Feeling nervous, Harry followed Ginny into her room. He had never been inside it before. It was small, but bright. There was a large poster of the wizarding band The Weird Sisters on one wall and a picture of Gwenog Jones, captain of the all-witch Quidditch team, the Hollyhead Harpies, on the other. A desk stood facing the open window, which looked out over the orchard where he and Ginny had once played a two-a-side Quidditch game with Ron and Hermione, and which now housed a large pearly white marquee. The golden flag on top was level with Ginny's window. Ginny looked up at Harry's face, took a deep breath, and said, Happy 17th. Yeah, thanks. She was looking at him steadily. He, however, found it difficult to look back at her. It was like gazing into a brilliant light. Nice view, he said feebly, pointing toward the window. She ignored this. He could not blame her. I couldn't think of what to get you, she said. You didn't have to get me anything. She disregarded this, too. I didn't know what would be useful. Nothing too big, because you wouldn't be able to take it with you. He chanced to glance at her. She was not tearful. This was one of the many wonderful things about Ginny. She was rarely weepy. He had sometimes thought of having six brothers must have toughened her up. She took a step closer to him. So, then I thought, I'd like to have something to remember me by. You know, if you meet some Vila, or you're off doing whatever you're doing. I think dating opportunities are going to be pretty thin on the ground, to be honest. There's the silver lining that I've been hoping for, she whispered. And then she was kissing him as she had never kissed him before. And Harry was kissing back, and it was blissful oblivion, better than fire whiskey. She was the only real thing in the world, Ginny, the feel of her one hand at her back and one on her long, sweet-smelling hair. The door banged open behind them, and they jumped apart. Oh, said Ron pointedly. Sorry. Ron! Hermione was just behind him, slightly out of breath. There was a strained silence. Then Ginny said in a flat little voice, Well, happy birthday anyway, Harry. Ron's ears were scarlet. Hermione looked nervous. Harry wanted to slam the door in their faces, but it felt as though a cold draft had entered the room when the door opened, and his shining moment had popped like a soap bubble. All the reasons for ending his relationship with Ginny for staying well away from her, seemed to have slunk inside the room with Ron, and all of the happy forgetfulness was gone. He looked at Ginny, wanting to say something, though he hardly knew what, but she had turned his back on him. He thought she might have succumbed, for once, to tears. He could not do anything to comfort her in front of Ron. 
I'll see you later, he said, and followed the other two out of the bedroom. Ron marched downstairs, through the still-crowded kitchen and into the yard, and Harry kept pace with him all the way, Hermione trotting along behind them, looking scared. Once he had reached the seclusion of the freshly mown lawn, Ron rounded on Harry. You ditched her. Uh, what are you doing now, messing her around? I'm not messing her around, said Harry, as Hermione caught up with them. Ron? But Ron held out a hand to silence her. She was really caught up when you ended it. So was I. You know why I stopped it. It wasn't because I wanted to. Yeah, but now you go snogging her and she's going to get her hopes up again. She's not an idiot. She knows that it can't happen. She's not expecting us to, to end up married or... As he said it, a vivid picture formed in Harry's mind of Ginny in a white dress, marrying a tall, faceless, unpleasant stranger. In one spiraling moment, it seemed to hit him. Her future was free and unencumbered, whereas his... He could see nothing but Voldemort ahead. If you keep groping her every chance that you get, it won't happen again, said Harry harshly. The day was cloudless, but it felt as though the sun had gone. Okay? Ron looked half resentful, half sheepish. He rocked backward and forward on his feet for a moment and then said, Right then, okay, that's... Yeah. Ginny did not seek another one-to-one -one meeting with Harry for the rest of the day, nor any look or gesture to show that they had had more than a polite conversation in her room. Nevertheless, Charlie's arrival came as a relief to Harry. They provided a distraction, watching Mrs. Weasley force Charlie into a chair, raise her wand threateningly, and announce that he was going to get a proper haircut. As Harry's birthday dinner would have stretched the burrow's kitchen to breaking point even before the arrival of Charlie, Lupin, Tonks, and Hagrid, several tables were placed end-to-end -end in the garden. Fred and George bewitched a number of purple lanterns, all emblazoned with, an ar with a large number 17, to hang in mid-air over the guests. Thanks to Mrs. Weasley's ministrations, George's wound was neat and clean, but Harry was not yet used to the dark hole in the side of his head, despite the twins' many jokes about it. Hermione made purple and gold streamers erupt from the end of her wand and draped themselves artistically over the trees and bushes. "'Nice,' said Ron. With one final flourish of her wand, Hermione turned the leaves on the crabapple tree to gold. "'You really got an eye for that sort of thing?' "'Thank you, Ron,' said Hermione, looking both pleased and a little confused. Harry turned away, smiling to himself. He had a funny notion he would find a chapter on compliments when he found time to peruse his copy of Twelve Failsafe Ways to Charm Witches.' He caught Ginny's eye and grinned at her before remembering his promise to Ron, and hurriedly striking up a conversation with Monsieur Delacour. "'Out of the way! Out of the way!' sang Mrs. Weasley, coming through the gate with what appeared to be a giant beach-ball-sized snitch floating in front of her. Seconds later, Harry realized that it was his birthday cake, which Mrs. Weasley was suspending with her wand rather than risk carrying it over the uneven ground. When the cake had finally landed in the middle of the table, Harry said, That looks amazing, Mrs. Weasley. Oh, it's nothing, dear, she said fondly. 
Over her shoulder, Ron gave Harry a thumbs up and mouthed, Good one. By seven o'clock, the guests had arrived, led into the house by Fred and George, who had waited for them at the far end of the lane. Hagrid had honored the occasion by wearing his best, and horrible, Harry Brown suit. Although Lupin smiled as she shook Harry's hand, Harry thought he looked rather unhappy. It was all very odd. Tonks beside him looked simply radiant. Happy birthday, Harry, she said, hugging him tightly. Seventeen, eh? said Hagrid as he accepted a bucket-sized glass of wine from Fred. Six years to the day since we met Harry. Do you remember that? Vaguely, said Harry, grinning up at him. Didn't you smash down the front door, give Dudley a pig's tail, and tell me that I was a wizard? Uh, I forget the details, Hagrid chortled. All right, Ron, Hermione. We're fine, said Hermione. How are you? Uh, not bad. I've been busy. Got some newborn unicorns. I'll show you when you get back. Harry avoided Ron and Hermione's gazes as Hagrid rummaged around in his pocket. Here, Harry. I, I couldn't think of what to get you, but then I remembered this. He pulled out a small, slightly furry drawstring pouch with a long string, evidently intended to be worn around the neck. Mokeskin. Can I hide anything in there? No one but the owner can get at it. They're rare, them. Hagrid, thanks. It's nothing, said Hagrid with a wave of a dustbin-sized hand. And there's Charlie. Always liked him. Hey, Charlie. Charlie approached, running his hand slightly ruefully over his new, brutally short haircut. He was shorter than Ron, thick-set with a number of burns and scratches up his muscly arms. Oi, Hagrid. How's it going? Well, you've been meaning to write for ages. How's Norbert, then? Norbert? Charlie laughed. The Norwegian Ridgeback. We call her Norberton now. What? Are you, she, Norbert's a girl? Oh, yeah, said Charlie. How can you tell? said Hermione. They'd look more vicious, said Charlie. He looked over his shoulder and dropped his voice. I wish Dad would hurry up and get here. Mum's getting edgy. They all looked over at Mrs. Weasley. She was trying to talk to Madame Delacour while glancing repeatedly at the gate. I think we better get started without Arthur, she called to the garden at large after a moment or two. We must have been held up for a moment. I oh! They all saw it at the same time. A streak of light that came flying across the yard and onto the table where it resolved itself into a bright silver weasel, which stood on its hind legs and spoke with Mr. Weasley's voice. Minister for Magic, come in with me. The Patronus dissolved into thin air, leaving Fleur's family peering in astonishment at the place where it had vanished. We shouldn't be here, said Lupin at once. Harry, I'm sorry, I'll explain another time. He seized Tonks's wrist and pulled her away. They reached the fence, climbed over it, and vanished from sight. Mrs. Weasley looked bewildered. The minister? But, but why? I don't understand. But there was no time to discuss the matter. A second later, Mr. Weasley had appeared out of thin air at the gate, accompanied by Rufus Scrimgeour, instantly recognizable by his mane of grizzled hair. 
The two newcomers marched across the yard toward the garden and the lantern-lit table, where everybody sat in silence, watching them draw nearer. As Scrimgeour came within range of the lantern light, Harry saw that he looked much older than the last time they had met. Scraggly and grim. Sorry to intrude, said Scrimgeour, as he limped to a halt before the table, especially as I see that I am gate-crashing a party. His eyes lingered for a moment on the giant snitch cake. Many happy returns. Thanks, said Harry. I require a private word with you, Scrimgeour went on. Also with Mr. Ronald Weasley and Miss Hermione Granger. Us, said Ron, sounding surprised. Why us? I shall tell you that when we are in somewhere more private, said Scrimgeour. Is there such a place? he demanded of Mr. Weasley. Uh, yes, of course, said Mr. Weasley, who looked nervous. The uh, sitting room, why don't you use that? You can lead the way, Scrimgeour said to Ron. There'll be no need for you to accompany us, Arthur. Harry saw Mr. Weasley exchange a worried look with Mrs. Weasley as he, Ron, and Hermione stood up. As they led the way back to the house in silence, Harry knew that the other two were thinking the exact same as he. Scrimgeour must, somehow, have learned that the three of them were planning to drop out of Hogwarts. Scrimgeour did not speak as they passed through the messy kitchen and into the burrow's sitting room. Although the kitchen had been full of soft golden evening light, it was already dark in here. Harry flicked his wand at the oil lamp as he entered, and they illuminated the shabby but cozy room. Scrimgeour sat himself in the sagging armchair that Mr. Weasley normally occupied, leaving Harry, Ron, and Hermione to squeeze side by side onto the sofa. Once they had done so, Scrimgeour spoke. I've got some questions for the three of you, and I think that it would be best if we do it individually. You two, he pointed at Harry and Hermione. Can wait upstairs while I start with Ron. We're not going anywhere, said Harry, and Hermione nodded vigorously. You can speak to us together, or not at all. Scrimgeour gave Harry a cold, praising look. Harry had the impression that the minister was wondering whether it was worth opening hostilities this early. Very well, then. Together, he said, shrugging. He cleared his throat. I am here, as you know, because of Albus Dumbledore's will. Harry, Ron, and Hermione looked at one another. A surprise, apparently. You were not aware that Dumbledore had left you anything. Oh, 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 all of us, said Ron. Me and Hermione, too. Yes, all of it. But Harry interrupted. Dumbledore died over a month ago. Why is it taking you this long to get what he left us? Isn't it obvious, said Hermione, before Scrimgeour could answer. They wanted to examine whatever he's left us. You had no right to do that, she said, and her voice trembled slightly. I had every right, said Scrimgeour dismissively. The decree for justifiable confiscation gives the Ministry the power to confiscate the contents of a will. That law was created to stop wizards passing on dark artifacts. 
said Hermione, and the Ministry is supposed to have powerful evidence on the deceased's possessions that they are illegal before seizing them. Are you telling me that you thought Dumbledore was trying to pass us something cursed? Are you planning to follow a career in magical law, Miss Granger? asked Scrimgeour. No, I'm not, retorted Hermione. I'm hoping to do some good in the world. Ron laughed. Scrimgeour's eyes flickered toward him in a way... Uh, oh, excuse me. Scrimgeour's eyes flickered toward him and away again as Harry spoke. So why did you decide to let us have the things now? Can't think of a pretext to keep them? No, it'll be because the 31 days are up, said Hermione at once. They can't keep the objects longer than that unless they can prove that they're dangerous. Right. Would you say that you were close to Dumbledore, Ronald? asked Scrimgeour, ignoring Hermione. Ron looked startled. Me? N not really. It was always Harry who... Ron looked around at Ron... Ron looked around at Harry and Hermione to see Hermione giving him a stop-talking-now sort of look, but the damage was done. Scrimgeour looked as though he had heard exactly what he had expected and wanted to hear. He swooped like a bird of prey upon Ron's answer. If you were not very close to Dumbledore, how do you account for the fact that he remembered you in his will? He has made exceptionally few personal bequests. The vast majority of his possessions, his private library, his magical instruments and other effects were left to Hogwarts. Why do you think that you were singled out? I don't know, said Ron. I, when I say that we were close, I mean, I think you liked me. You're being modest, Ron, said Hermione. Dumbledore was very fond of you. This was stretching the truth to the breaking point. As far as Harry knew, Ron and Dumbledore had never been alone together, and direct contact between them had been negligible. However, Scrimgeour did not seem to be listening. He put his hand inside his cloak and drew out a drawstring pouch, much larger than the one Hagrid had given Harry. From it, he moved a scroll of parchment, which he unrolled and read aloud. <coughs> The last will of the last will and testament of Albus Percival, Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. Yes, here we are. To Ronald Billius Weasley. I leave my deluminator and I hope that he will remember me when he uses it. Scrimgeour took an object from the bag. An object that Harry had seen before. It looked something like a silver cigarette lighter, but it had, he knew, the power to suck all light from a place and restore it with a simple click. Scrimgeour leaned forward and passed the deluminator to Ron, who took it and turned it over in his fingers, looking stunned. That is a valuable object, said Scrimgeour, watching Ron. It may even be unique. Certainly it is of Dumbledore's own design. Why would he have left you an item so rare? Ron shook his head, looking bewildered. Dumbledore must have taught thousands of students, Scrimgeour persevered. Yet the only ones that he remembered in his will are you three. Why is that? 
To what use did he think that you had put his deluminator, Mr. Weasley? Put out, put out lights, I suppose, mumbled Ron. What else could I do with it? Evidently, Scrimgeour had no suggestions. After squinting at Ron for a moment or two, he turned back to Dumbledore's will. To Miss Hermione Jean Granger, I leave my copy of Tales of Beetle the Bard, in hope that she will find it entertaining and instructive. Scrimgeour now pulled out of the bag a small book that looked as ancient as the copy of Secrets of the Dark Arts upstairs. Its binding was stained and peeling in places. Hermione took it from Scrimgeour without a word. She held the book in her lap and gazed at it. Harry saw that the title was in runes. He had never learned to read them. As he looked, a tear splashed onto the embossed symbols. Why do you think that Dumbledore left you that book, Miss Granger? He, he knew that I liked books, said Hermione in a thick voice, mopping her eyes with her sleeve. But why that particular book? I don't know. He must have thought that I would enjoy it. Did you ever discuss codes or any means of passing secret messages with Dumbledore? No, I didn't, said Hermione, still wiping her eyes on her sleeve. And if the Ministry hasn't found any hidden codes in this book in thirty-one days, I doubt that I will. She suppressed a sob. They were wedged together so tightly that Ron had difficulty extracting his arm to put it around Hermione's shoulders. Scrimgeour turned back to the will. To Harry James Potter. He read, and Harry's insides contracted with a sudden excitement. I leave the snitch that was caught in his first Quidditch match at Hogwarts as a reminder of the rewards of perseverance and skill. As Grimgeour pulled out the tiny, walnut-sized golden ball, its silver wings fluttered rather feebly. And Harry could not help feeling a sense of anticlimax. Why did Dumbledore leave you this snitch? asked Scrimgeour. No idea, said Harry. For the reasons you just read out, I suppose. To remind me what you can get if you persevere and whatever it was. You think that this is a mere symbolic keepsake then? I suppose so, said Harry. What else could it be? I'm asking the questions, said Scrimgeour, shifting in his chair a little closer to the sofa. Dusk was really falling outside the window now. The marquee beyond towered ghostly over the hedge. I notice that your birthday cake is in the shape of a snitch, Scrimgeour said to Harry. Why is that? Hermione laughed derisively. Can't be a reference to the fact that Harry's a great seeker. That would be way too obvious, she said. There must be a secret message from Dumbledore hidden in the icing. I don't think that there's anything hidden in the icing, said Scrimgeour. But the snitch would be a very good hiding place for a small object. You know why, I'm sure. Harry shrugged. Hermione, however, answered. 
Mary thought that answering questions correctly was such a deeply ingrained habit she could not suppress the urge. Because snitches have flesh memories, she said. What? said Harry and Ron together. Both considered Hermione's Quidditch knowledge negligible. Correct, said Scrimgeour. A snitch is not touched by bare skin before it is released, not even by the maker, who wears gloves. It carries an enchantment by which it can identify the first human that lays hands upon it in case of a disputed capture. This snitch, he held up the tiny golden ball, will remember your touch, Potter. It occurs to me that Dumbledore, who was prodigious in magical skill, whatever his other faults, might have enchanted this snitch so that it will open only for you. Harry's heart was beating rather fast. He was sure that Scrimgeour was right. How could he avoid taking the snitch with his bare hands in front of the minister? You don't say anything, said Scrimgeour. Perhaps you already know what the snitch contains. No, said Harry, still wondering how he could appear to touch the snitch without really doing so. If only he knew legitimacy, really knew it, he could read Hermione's mind. She was, he could practically hear her brain whirring behind him. Take it, said Scrimgeour quietly. He met the minister's yellow eyes, and he knew he had no option but to obey. He held out his hand. Scrimgeour leaned forward again and placed the snitch slowly and deliberately into Harry's palm. Nothing happened. As Harry's fingers closed around the snitch, its tired wings fluttered and were still. Scrimgeour, Ron, and Hermione continued to gaze avidly at the now partially concealed ball as if hoping it might transform in some way. Hold on a second. Are there spoilers happening in chat right now? Keep me updated. If we do, I'll just uh, go back and get rid of it. That was dramatic, said Harry coolly. Both Ron and Hermione laughed. That's all then, is it? asked Hermione, making to prize herself off the sofa. Not quite said Scrimgeour, who looked bad-tempered now. Dumbledore left you a second bequest, Potter. What is it? asked Harry, his excitement rekindling. Scrimgeour did not bother to read from the will this time. The sword of Godric Gryffindor. Hermione and Ron both stiffened. Harry looked around for a sign of the ruby-encrusted hilt, but Scrimgeour did not pull the sword from the leather pouch which in any case looked much too small to contain it. So where is it? Harry asked suspiciously. Unfortunately, said Scrimgeour, that sword was not Dumbledore's to give away. 
The sword of Godric Gryffindor is an important historical artifact, and as such it belongs... It belongs to Harry, said Hermione hotly. They chose him. He was the one who found it. It came out of the sorting hat. According to reliable historical sources, the sword may present itself to any worthy Gryffindor, said Scrimgeour. That does not make it the exclusive property of Mr. Potter, whatever Dumbledore may have decided. Scrimgeour scratched his badly shaven cheek, scrutinizing Harry. Why do you think Dumbledore wanted me to have the sword? said Harry, struggling to keep his temper. Maybe he thought that it would look nice on my wall. This is not a joke, Potter, growled Scrimgeour. Was it because Dumbledore believed that only the sword of Godric Gryffindor could defeat the heir of Slytherin? Did he wish to give you that sword, Potter, because he believed, as do many, that you are the one destined to destroy he who must not be named? Interesting theory, said Harry. Has anyone ever tried sticking a sword in Voldemort? Maybe the Ministry should put some people onto that instead of wasting their time stripping down Deluminators or covering up breakouts from Azkaban. So is this what you've been doing, Minister? Shut up in your office, trying to break open a snitch? People are dying. I was nearly one of them. Voldemort chased me across three counties. He killed Mad-Eye Moody, but there's been no word about that from anyone at the Ministry, has there? And you still expect us to cooperate with you? You go too far! shouted Scrimgeour, standing up. Harry jumped to his feet, too. Scrimgeour limped toward Harry and jabbed him hard in the chest with the point of his wand. It singed a hole in Harry's t-shirt like a lit cigarette. Oi, said Ron, jumping up and raising his own wand, but Harry said, No. Do you want to give him an excuse to arrest us? You've remembered that you're not at school, have you? said Scrimgeour, breathing hard into Harry's face. Remember that I am not Dumbledore, who forgave your insolence and insubordination. You may wear that scar like a crown porter, but it is not up to a seventeen-year-old boy to tell me how to do my job. It's time that you learned some respect. It's time that you earned it, said Harry. The floor trembled. There was a sound of running footsteps, then the door to the sitting room burst open and Mr. and Mrs. Weasley ran in. We, we thought that we had, began Mr. Weasley, looking thoroughly alarmed at the sight of Harry and the minister, virtually nose to nose. Raised voices, panted Mrs. Weasley. Scrimgeour took a couple of steps back from Harry, glancing at the hole he had made in Harry's t-shirt. He seemed to regret his loss of temper. It, it was nothing, he growled. I regret your attitude, he said, looking Harry full in the face once more. You seem to think that the Ministry does not desire what you, what Dumbledore desired. We ought to be working together. I don't like your methods, Minister, said Harry. Remember? For the second time, he raised his right fist and displayed to Scrimgeour the scars that still showed white on the back of it, spelling... I must not tell lies. Scrimgeour's expression hardened. He turned away without another word and limped from the room. Mrs. Weasley hurried after him. Harry heard her stop at the back door. After a minute or two, she called, He's gone! What did he want? Mr. Weasley asked. 
looking around at Harry, Ron, and Hermione as Mrs. Weasley came hurrying back to them. To give us what Dumbledore left us, said Harry. They've only just released the contents of his will. Outside in the garden, over the dinner tables, the three objects Scrimgeour had given them were passed from hand to hand. Everyone exclaimed over the Deluminator and the Tales of Beetle the Bard, and lamented the fact that Scrimgeour had refused to pass on the sword, but none of them could offer any suggestion as to why Dumbledore would have left Harry an old snitch. As Mr. Weasley examined the Deluminator for the third or fourth time, Mrs. Weasley said tentatively, Harry dear, everyone's awfully hungry. We didn't like to start without you. Shall I serve dinner now? They all ate rather hurriedly, and then after a hasty chorus of happy birthday and much gulping of cake, the party broke up. Hagrid, who was invited to the wedding the following day, but was far too bulky to sleep in the overstretched burrow, left to set up a tent for himself in a neighboring field. Meet us upstairs, whispered Hermione. Nope, Harry whispered to Hermione while they helped Mrs. Weasley restore the garden to its normal state. After everyone's gone to bed. Up in the attic room, Harry examined... Ron examined his deluminator, and Harry filled Hagrid's mokeskin purse, not with gold, but with those items he prized most. Apparently worthless, though some of them were. The Marauder's Map, the Shard of Sirius's Enchanted Mirror, and R.A.B.'s Locket. He pulled the strings tight and slipped the purse around his neck, and sat holding the old snitch and watching its wings flutter feebly. At last, Hermione tapped on the door and tiptoed inside. Muffliato, she whispered, waving her, her wand in the direction of the stairs. I thought that you didn't approve of that spell, said Ron. Times change, said Hermione. Now show us that deluminator. Ron obliged at once. Holding it up in front of him, he clicked it. The solitary lamp that they had lit went out at once. The thing is, whispered Hermione through the dark, we could have achieved that effect through Peruvian instant darkness powder. It was a small click, and the ball of light flew... The ball of light from the lamp flew back to the ceiling and illuminated them all once more. Still, it's cool, said Ron, a little defensively. And from what they say, Dumbledore admitted it himself. I know, but surely he wouldn't have singled you out in his will just to help turn off the lights. Do you think that he knew the Ministry would confiscate his will and examine everything that he left to us? Definitely, said Hermione. He couldn't tell us why he was leaving us those things, but it still doesn't explain. Why he couldn't have given us a hint when he was alive, asked Ron. Well, exactly, said Hermione, now flicking through the tales of Beetle the Bard. If these things are important enough to pass on right under the nose of the Ministry, you'd think he'd have left us something to know why. Unless he thought it was obvious. <laughs> thought wrong then, didn't he? said Ron. I always said that he was mental, brilliant and everything, but cracked. Leaving Harry an old snitch, what the hell is that about? I've no idea, said Hermione. When Scrimshaw made you take it, Harry, I was so sure that something would happen. Yeah, 
Well, said Harry, his pulse quickening as he raised the snitch in his fingers. I wasn't going to try too hard in front of Scrimshaw, was I? What do you mean? asked Hermione. The snitch I caught in my first ever Quidditch match, said Harry. Don't you remember? Hermione simply looked bemused. Ron, however, gasped, pointing frantically from Harry to the snitch and then back again until he found his voice. That, that, oh, that, uh, that was the one that you nearly swallowed. Exactly, said Harry, and with his heart beating fast, he pressed his mouth to the snitch. It did not open. Frustration and bitter disappointment welled up inside him. He lowered the golden sphere, but then Hermione cried out, Writing! There's writing on it! Look, quick! He nearly dropped the snitch in surprise and excitement. Hermione was quite right. Engraved upon the smooth golden surface, where seconds before there had been nothing, were five words written in the thin, slanting handwriting Harry recognized as Dumbledore's. I open at the close. Harry had barely read them when the words vanished again. I open at the close. What is that supposed to mean? Hermione and Ron shook their heads, looking blank. I open at the close. At the close. I open at the close. But no matter how often they repeated the words, with many different inflections, they were unable to wring any more meaning from them. On the sword, said Ron finally, when at last they had abandoned their attempts to divine meaning from the snitch's inscription. Why did he want Harry to have the sword? And why couldn't he have just told me? Harry said quietly. It was there. It was right there on the wall of his office during all of our talks last year. If you wanted me to have it, why didn't he just give it to me then? He felt as though he were sitting in on an examination with a question he ought to have been able to answer in front of him, but his brain was slow and unresponsive. Was there something he had missed in his long talks with Dumbledore last year? Ought he to know what it all meant? Had Dumbledore expected him to understand? And as for this book, said Hermione, the tales of Beetle the Bard, I've never even heard of them. You've never heard of the tales of Beetle the Bard, said Ron, incredulously. You're kidding, right? No, I'm not, said Hermione in a surprise. Do you know them, then? Well, of course I do. Harry looked up, diverted. The circumstance of Ron having read a book that Hermione had not was unprecedented. Ron, however, seemed bemused by their surprise. Oh, come on. All the kids' stories are supposed to be beetles, aren't they? The Fountain of Fair Fortune, The Wizard in the Hopping Pot, B Babbity Rabbity and a Cackling Stump. Excuse me, said Hermione, giggling. What was that last one? Oh, come off it, said Ron, looking in disbelief from Harry to Hermione. You must have heard of Babbity Rabbity. Ron, you know full well Harry and I were brought up by muggles, said Hermione. We didn't hear stories like that when we were little. We heard Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and Cinderella. What's that? Is that an illness? asked Ron. So these are children's stories, asked Hermione, bending again over the runes. 
Yeah, said Ryan uncertainly. I mean, it's just what you hear, you know. All these stories came from Beedle. I don't know what they were like in the original versions. I wonder why Dumbledore thought that I should read them. Something creaked downstairs. Probably just Charlie. Mum's asleep now, sneaking off to regrow his hair. All the same, we shall get to bed, whispered Hermione. It won't do to oversleep tomorrow. No, agreed Ron. A brutal triple murder by the bridegroom's mother might put a bit of a damper on the wedding. I'll get the lights. And he clicked the deluminator once as Hermione left the room. And that is the end of the chapter. Folks, before you leave, let me give you a quick run through my schedule for the week. Mondays I keep clear. Tuesdays, vintage sidecar and some kind of gaming stuff. Typically boot and scoot. Um, you can find uh, that stuff in the gaming chat if you're looking for what that's like. Wednesdays, chat plays Dungeon World. Um, it is a an RPG campaign like D&D. Um, a little bit more streamlined that you can participate in. You can play with us. You can join one of our three teams. Come check it out Wednesdays at noon. Thursdays, of course. Sometimes do I do, I do an early stream. Most days I'm using it for prep. Um, Thursday night, of course, we've got our Harry Potter. And then Fridays, so tomorrow, we've got our uh, Spout Lore session. Um, typically some discussion of RPG stuff in uh, GM Chop Shop. And then finally, at 2 p.m. Pacific time, of course, uh, we've got more Boot and Scoot. Tomorrow, it is going to be Fall Guys. Um, so I wanted to give you all a reminder about that. Fall Guys, um, we're going to give it a shot. You know what? Everyone's been playing it. I figured, um, and actually, more literally, Tuna Sunday figured. You can thank Tuna for that if you're into it. Um, Tuna Sunday figured, probably a good idea to uh, to check that one out. So we're going to be trying that one tomorrow. I look forward to jumping in with y'all once more. Huh? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's mostly Memnite, basically. Memnite and Shotzi had a, uh, a bidding war last time over it, and I'm not even sure they were both entirely aware, but you made it possible, and uh, I really appreciate it. Um, to everyone who is wondering sort of what has made me able to stream so much more now, uh, it is the fact that I've hit Associate, and I can now have people subscribing to the channel. I think my hat is caught on my green screen. <laughs> um these subscriptions help it make sense for me to stream more often during the week. So I can stream this, I can do uh, Chat Plays Dungeon World, I can do all sorts of game streams and stuff. So folks, you have made it possible for me to do this. It is fantastic. I really appreciate everyone. Uh, of course, I appreciate all the followers. I appreciate everyone who has come in here um, uh, and joined Scooter Patrol and our, <laughs> our good little family. I saw a little discussion of that as ever. That is fantastic. And it's absolutely what I love about this group. Um, and uh, I want to give a special thanks to everyone who has subscribed um, just on their own. I want to thank everyone who has used the, the um, if you've got Amazon Prime, who have used that free thing that you've already got and thrown it my way. I appreciate that so very much. Um, uh, y'all are helping, <laughs> essentially y'all are helping me keep my keep my lights on and keep my air conditioning on as we are in the middle of a, uh, a massive heat wave. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It is... It's huge for me. You know, I've been doing this for years at this point, and now suddenly I've got people in here who are so stoked about what I'm doing that uh, you want to help me out in that way. And so I just, like I said, can't tell you how much I appreciate it. A ton. A ton. Yes. Saucy Pop says, keep your pets comfy and cool. Indeed. Yeah, the cats appreciate it a lot. Right, Blue? Right, Blue Boy? 
He just, at that exact moment, stuck his little noggin out from underneath the couch. Yeah, air conditioning is super nice. Bean, dada beans. Indeed, it's beans time. Folks, welcome to bad beans. <laughs> We're back. We're back, gang. I believe those are holdovers from, uh, let's see, what was it, Tuesday? Maybe Friday? I don't remember what those are from. But, uh, uh, yes, he knows we're talking about him. Hey, Shotzi's Schatz, back, dropping more beans in the uh, in the old cauldron. All right, this is beans brewing time. Um, you can uh, you can throw stuff in there again. This animation just really entertains me. So, folks, now that we're here, how did you enjoy the chapter? It's good to have you all in. It feels weird to have this like uh, the sudden wide view now. That's right. You can see me if I put my hands all the way out here. It's not just a narrow little like close up on my face. How do you spell noggin? Did I say noggin? Yeah, N-O-G-G-I-N, indeed. Um, which it's, you would think that it might be like apostrophe at the end, like it was shortened from N-O-G-G-I-N-G. -G. Uh, it's not. Um, noggin is just uh, N-O-G-G-I-N. I don't know where it came from. All I know is I grew up hearing it. I don't know. Hogwarts Hippie says, I recently started uh, to watch book one and you have grown so much. I discovered when we got to uh, book five. Uh, I discovered you when I got to book five, so it's special to start from the beginning. And uh, Shotzi, <laughs> thanks for more bits. Man, that's a lot of beans. I'm, I'm super thankful that they look like beans, by the way. Maybe I can change it in there. I don't know. But that wasn't me that did that. They just look naturally like beans, and it's perfect. Jake's beans. <laughs> come, come on down for Jake's beans. Um, but, uh, yeah, Hogwarts Hippie, we have come a long way, haven't we? It has been it has been a long road. I've been doing this for over two years now, and um, I did it for a full year for like seventeen people total ever. Um, typically, there was nobody in my live chats. Uh, you know, occasionally Rachel would come in, um, uh, my sister Rachel. But uh, with the exception of that, like I was doing this for I had seventeen people who were following me on on uh, on YouTube for for a year. I did this. And then within the past year, and especially like since the start of 2020, blast off, right? Um, I mean, it's been going great on YouTube. Um, I have really been enjoying how much I can do here on Twitch because YouTube always felt like there was this sort of separation between me and other folks. Um, and, you know, now that I'm doing much, I'm focusing more on the live stream part of it, trying to do, <laughs> I'm not trying to do it as much like I live stream, but I mostly do it for the videos. Now I'm live streaming to live stream, and I enjoy that quite a bit. Saucy Pop says, I can't believe it took me this long to get into the live streams. Uh, I only used to listen on YouTube and on road trips while sleeping. Yeah, I'm glad you joined us. I'm very glad you joined. <laughs> I mean, I think they're technically hearts, but I am with uh, Miss Frizzle. They're beans, and that's canon. Canon with one N, Miss Frizzle. It's me. It's it's me, the stickler. Yar. <laughs> let me know if you need help keeping an eye on YouTube. Um, I shall. Yeah, I shall let you know if I need help. Folks, thank you very much for watching. I think it's probably time to get into some beans, don't you? As we do, I want to hear what uh, <laughs> autocorrect burn. Um, uh, let's see. Seek. 
in Discord says, anyway, we can go back right now and listen to the Harry Potter live stream that just happened if we don't want Beans time. Um, no, not yet. I actually just looked at that myself because I was trying to rewind. And uh, I figured out that it's not like YouTube. Uh, apparently, I can't rewind and like catch an earlier part of the stream. So you will have to wait until we are finished, unfortunately. Um, if it helps, uh, a quick reminder to you all, I am changing my upload schedule. Everything is, instead of being right before whatever the, the the show is so this is flying sidecar right now we're doing harry potter um instead of it being last week's harry potter on youtube and then this week's harry potter uh live instead it's going to be uh, last week's thing and then exactly 24 hours after that um uh will be the live version so in other words if you're with me live right now this will be up 24 hours um before next week's stream just to make it a little easier to catch up with because i realized it's tough to catch up if you have to dedicate like six hours of your day straight to this thing. So, folks, thank you very, very much. Um, let's get on with the beans, shall we? I need my lovely assistant. Cass and sass. She's not sleeping. She's just used to me over here talking, so she doesn't know that I'm talking to her yet. I could say I could say anything. She's uh she's watching a YouTube video right now. Here, maybe we Hey, I don't know. If she, I don't think she's watching me. I think she's watching something else. Otherwise, I would say get at her in chat, which would be funny. All right, I'll be right back. I blew a massive raspberry at her. That seemed to work okay. <laughs> Sidecar squad. Yeah, this is Scooter Patrol. That's what we call the, all the good, good followers. And then uh, I'm tentatively calling all of my subscribers uh, Storytime MC. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Say hello, special guest star. Chloe. This is Clover. I disrupted her. She kind of likes being held, but she really doesn't like being held. She <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes she will accept it. She will be willing to be held, but it's it's not it's not a great experience for her. Although it should be. We're very gentle. We're gentle. We just want to give her some love. You know what it is? You know how it is? You know what it is? What it do? How it be? Oh, now she's all Indeed. Yep. This is our cat Clover. Um, our other cat Blue will absolutely refuse to be picked up. I tried like the day before yesterday. Um, I guess he, he, you can pick him up, but you can't hold him. Yeah. 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 You can, you can get him up and sort of like put him on the bed or like sort of gently get him out of the way because you're about to start vacuuming or something. But his little legs just dangle. Yep. You can do a scoop. If you try to like hold on to him and pet him, he is out immediately and he will, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll panic about it. You'd rather be called a punk, says Ashmore. I can call you a punk. Hey, if it makes you feel better, you're a punk too. Did you call me a punk? No, I, I was, I was, I call folks punks, uh, in the discord fairly frequently and in stream. Um, oh, you got a cat named Padfoot. Nice. Uh, Holly Rose says my cat Padfoot will attack you with the slightest touch. <laughs> Blue Boy used to be like that. Yeah, he was, especially toward me because I was new for a while. I'm very happy that I've gotten to know him. He's my boy now. He's my little blue boy, even though he's pretty old and he's not that. He's not Lil. He's not a small boy. He's not a small boy. <laughs> <laughs> Iroh had a cat named Jack. Wunderbar. 
All right, folks. I did not see Ashmore's question. What's Ashmore's question? Let me scroll back up. Man, trying to keep all these chats open is tough. Okay, first of all, what color is is Ashmore in chat? Um, purple. I always thought that. Hold on, hold on. Somebody's gonna have to. Somebody's gonna have to repeat it. I don't think I saw it at all. Um. Oh my love, my darling. My husband asked if you've got a degree in literature because it sounds like you know what you're saying. I'm making it all up. Mr. Ashmore? Is that a is that an appropriate title? Is that would that be his preferred? I'm making it up as I go. Look, kids. Go to school if you know what you want to do. If you don't, get your GEs out of the way. I do not have a degree in literature. I do not at all. Um, I know what I'm talking about simply because I, uh, Mr. Ashmore, if you please. <laughs> so, okay, that's from Tuna, though. Who knows if Tuna can be trusted? We, we all know if Tuna can be trusted. The answer is definitely not. Um, which, you will, which you will see if, uh, if you watch any of the Boot and Scoot stuff, especially our most recent in Cry of Fear, which was an absolute mess. And I would encourage you to go watch that one. Okay, folks, let's get into our first bean business, shall we? Maybe get up and then we talk for another 20 minutes. <laughs> hey, yeah, if you want me to just pull you in here at the very last moment, I can do that. We can switch over. All right, folks, as usual, welcome. Welcome, this is Bad Beans. Welcome, I'm, I'm Jimmy Bean. <laughs> I'm here to sell you sausage-favored beans for your, for your breakfast. That's right. If you combine the two, you can have a full-on cowboy breakfast in one bean. It's bacon. It's it's sausage beans. Sausage beans and eggs. Sausage and egg beans. beans. New from Jimmy Bean. <laughs> I don't know what this one is. Straight you know, up. speaking of, you stand up here and you you get me like all all in a rush, and then you make me sit here blind for two minutes. I think we're even. Nope. I don't know what that's going to be, so All right. we're going to go based on your flavors. Interesting. Okay, we'll see if this is a flavor I know. Let's see, folks. As I do, we're going to go through my schedule. Mondays, I keep it open. It's been nice so far. I recorded a um, vintage sidecar last Monday. I got some of my art stuff changed around um, and got my, <laughs> my, my dual mic set up, which I immediately needed to change. Um... Now this one, very fruity. It came in with a with a it came in hot with some sort of bubblegum type notes. Gems, I know it's been a long day. I hope you have a good one and I will see you later. What the heck is this being? Fruity, you say? Miss Frizzle says you already did your schedule tech for check for bonus beans. And you said that as a statement and not a question, which makes me very confused. Because you already did your schedule. You're supposed to be checking for bonus beans instead of going over your schedule again. Because you already did it. We'll get there. I'm just telling you what she said. Oh, see, this is why punctuation's important. <laughs> That's right, Miss Frizzle. That's right. Now... Now that you're in the pit crew, now that you're all modded up, you get the same you get the same sort of hassle back that I can give Tuna. And if you're gonna, and if you the, the same Hasselhoff that I give Tuna, <laughs> and if you keep coming in here, hassling me with all these, I I would consider it asterisk harassment, asterassment. 
which is my favorite Careful. psychedelic uh, <laughs> alcoholic beverage. I've got right, no idea about this one. Because I don't know what it is either. I think I'm going to go with like strawberry ice cream. Because it definitely had some of that sort of like smoother kind of, uh, you know, not quite vanilla, but sort of a creamier note to it. I think I'm going to go with it. Well, that unfortunately was not helpful because it was a very yellow bean and it had like whitish spots, but it also had red spots. Yellow with whitish and red spots. All right, gang. Well, yellow ones on here I see are pina colada, lemon drop, crushed pineapple. It wasn't lemon drop. I don't think it was crushed pineapple. Does crushed pineapple taste different from regular pineapple? <laughs> so Hogwarts says, Sam, you be making up flavors. I, I think I strawberry ice cream is a is a, a perfectly normal guess. It's not like last week. Last week got off the rails, shall we say. I could see it being pina colada. That's probably what it was. Yeah, unless, unless like, was it smat, crushed pineapple? No, 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 no. Smashed pineapple. Sma smashed pineapple. Um... <laughs> Alright, next. Strawberry ice cream um, uh, near Lake Erie. There we go. If you're looking for hyper-specific, we're going to do it. Um, hold on, we had one question. Uh, Saucy Pops is wondering, uh, would grammar police be called grammar death eaters at Hogwarts? No, I think it would be grammar horrors. Oh. Next up, on Tuesdays, we've got, um, we've got Vintage Sidecar. We are going through... Um, uh, Frankenstein right now. We're having some excellent discussions. If you want to really make it... If you want to come and, and uh, see me do a stream where, where I'm really faking a literature degree, that's the one to show up to. I just really like literature and stories. I like them a lot. Um, I like them very, very much. I probably would. All right. I can, I'm already getting some, like, some, some bad something or other. I feel like I haven't even been into this one yet. I'm thinking... I'm a little nervous that we... Oh, then I'm gonna bite into this and find a stink bug. Let's find out. Out. Okay. Okay. Definitely nasty. Definitely super nasty. Um. Uh. Yeah, it's got like, it's either uh, booger or um or stink bug. It's got that like smokiness to it. I'm going stink bug. Yes. All right, folks. Um, here, can I switch this over so I can keep seeing chat? Oh, yeah, sorry. That's okay. No problem. Hork bean. No, it's, it's Hork. H-O-U-R. What is it? H-O-U-R-Q-U-E, do you think? I always spell it. H-O-R-K. Which actually, if you pronounce it with sort of a, a French sort of spin on it, it sounds a lot like you're just throwing up right then. If you if you go H O U R Q U E, look, <laughs> it sounds exactly perfect. We've created an onomatopoeia. Wonderful. We've just invented a new onomatopoeia. That's gorgeous. My my fake degree is showing. <laughs> okay. Yep. This is definitely stink bug. I don't know why I'm still chewing on it. I already identified it. Just throw this one back. Yeah, we have not had a vom bean in a while. Uh, Hogwarts Hippie says, Sam, I wish you could get grants or something for the work you do here in Vintage Sidecar. I'm looking into it, actually. Uh, we had a, a doctor in, um, uh, I'm assuming not a medical doctor, but very possibly, um, um, from Bogota. Uh, Dr. B, I believe, uh, although I would have to scroll a long way up. But uh, I want to say hello to all of Dr. B's students. 
Um, if you uh, apparently there are some grants that are available, and so I'm looking into them. We shall see. Bah! On Wednesdays, I can't tell you how stoked I am about Chat Plays Dungeon World. If you have ever been interested in an RPG campaign, if you've ever been like, you know what, I saw D and D, I saw Dungeons and Dragons on. Stranger Things, or, you know what, I'm just curious about what it's like. I am running a campaign that I think I am most proud of the world building on for any of the campaigns I've ever run. Um, it is such a fun time. If you want a little bit more information about that, honestly, a lot more information, you can find the whole thing at sidecarstories.fandom.com. Let me go ahead and put that in while I chomp on this bean. I don't... Let's see. Hmm. Now this one might be a lemon drop. As a matter of fact, this one's very, very lemony. Is there anything else in there? I think it's mostly. I think it's mostly lemon. So, uh, repulse. I would love to be a voice actor. Um, that's part of the reason why I do this is to practice that. So, um, yeah. You know what? I haven't put out the call in a while. Put out the call. <laughs> Gondor calls for aid. Um, uh, it's a Lord of the Rings thing. I wouldn't expect you to get it. Eventually, I'm going to read Lord of the Rings, and I'm going to make you listen to every minute. We all tried. The, all the way through Tom Bombadil. We got through three pages of it before. Yeah, we did it. We did a. We started a test run on it because we wanted to start something instead of go through um, the final very challenging chapters of uh, the Harry Potter series. We're still not done. Did y'all know that? It's because it was right when like everything was hitting yep. earlier this year and it was just like already really sad. So, Yep. We got into like the darkest part of... Spoilers. The end of this book is sad. <laughs> the end of the series. Who would have thunk? Um, there's sadness and there's like just sort of an overall anxiety. Just, you know, as with most books uh, and most series is as they end. Um, I would also love a Lord of the Rings read through Saucy. It, it's just too much to bite off right now, but in the future, what? Oh, well, in that, may, in that case, I got to do it. <laughs> no, I would definitely love it. And I, I mean, I tell you what, like, as long as this channel continues to be a thing, I consider that to sort of be like a horizon goal. Like, that is absolutely up there. I've, I'm, I'm not sitting here thinking, I just don't think it'll happen. I can promise you guys, I would love to do it. And I, I definitely see that as like a... um. Sort of a, I guess we'll call it like a long-term stretch goal. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or, or, tell you what, if uh, if I can make a uh, make the numbers look right for me to stream a lot more, then I could just do it on a whole new day. Oh, if I could get yeah, if I could get hired to do an audio. Okay, so there it is. That's the call I was going to put out to Gondor before we got totally sidetracked. First of all, let me go ahead and tell you what I think of this bean lemon drop. I'm going lemon drop because you dropped that clue before. Margarita. Is margarita? Isn't it bad? It was so lemony. Isn't it disgusting? No, it was pretty good. It's the worst bean. I don't know. I didn't get any of that alcohol. Again, I think some of these beans might have been mislabeled. I think they I think they just like took every flavor to the colors and they just moved the color I one to the left. Oh man. Well that I mean the one I ate just ate didn't taste like a margarita, it tastes like a lemon drop. I want that asterisk. Give me an asterisk. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we got off on our tangent, uh here's the call. Um if you are uh I, I'm trying to 
you know, I would love to break into the world of voice acting. So um, if there are any folks out there who have got projects that you are looking for a voice for, um, I am definitely interested in trying to participate. Um, the uh, uh, for for our <laughs> for our little adventures here. Um, it has been uh, a great time so far, and I have done so much practicing, and I'm super excited about the progress that I've made. Uh, thank you, by the way, Tuna. Appreciated it. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you've got any any anything going on, I, I'm interested in hearing about it. I certainly cannot guarantee myself available for everything, especially if it's a big longer term project. But, uh, you know, I would love to, to put some things on. I would love to do some more official work. I'd love to. All right. Next up. Let's do it. Thursday. Thursday. Thursday, of course, Harry Potter. Um, Harry Potter in the evenings. Occasionally I'll do an earlier stream, but I find myself more often using that for other things, uh, whether that's to spend Wednesday nights doing recaps um, and, uh, you know, working on clips, which I will remind y'all, I'm doing a clip show now. And if you want to be featured in the clip show, uh, make clips. Uh, make clips here on Twitch. You can make Twitch clips, and I'm going to collect them all into a, um, a highlights video. I think we're going to call it the Patrol Report or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, if y'all want to be featured on that one, go ahead and, and make clips. I think for the Harry Potter stuff, I'm mostly looking for like great, great or funny moments from uh, from our story here. <laughs> the well, traffic report that might be pretty good. That might be pretty good. Um, we'll just call it Ways with a Z. You know, like the app. We'll absolutely just rip them off. Okay. <laughs> Before, We're all about copyrights here. Before I before I, I chomp into this one, um, I'm already getting an, a more of that stank. More of the more of the. It might be the bug stank. It might be a popcorn stank. I don't. Let's find out. Okay, it's definitely not a bad bean. Fortunately. Fortunately. No, it's not a bad bean. I think I just got residual bad beans somewhere hanging out back by the molars. Hmm. <laughs> it looks like a rather dangerous color, says Tanisha. Um, I don't think it's a bad bean. It tastes like, um, um, it's not caramel corn, but it's got that similar sort of like, I think my phone's going off. Oh, it is. Okay. Just a reminder. Um, I'm getting some of that similar sweetness. I'm getting some... Wait a second. Is there kettle corn and caramel corn in this thing? I feel like we are... I feel like we had another, like... Um... Hmm. Hmm. I'm definitely getting some of that popcorn kind of flavor. Hmm. Yeah, it's like... It's throwing me straight back to, like, old sort of, like, half-stale popcorn at a football game. I'm gonna go with some kind of popcorn. It's definitely got some sweet to it. I don't think it's so much as to amount to caramel. I'm going kettle corn! Final answer. Well, you've officially blown my mind. Because I was sure it was birthday cake. Mm-mm. Is it kettle corn? There's no kettle corn on here. It's either popcorn or caramel corn. Popcorn or I guess it's got to be caramel corn, unless there's just like. I was pretty sure it was. It's definitely not birthday cake. I was pretty sure though. Definitely not. It's definitely not birthday cake. Okay. All right. Well, that's another zero on the board. Fantastic. Holly Rose is suggesting maybe cappuccino. 
It wasn't cappuccino, I don't think. Not on my end, at least. I got one with an asterisk out of four. What was your asterisk? Yeah, hold on. What was that asterisk? He didn't get an asterisk. I don't think I got an asterisk. I think that's a clean one. No, I don't think he got one. I did get one. I absolutely did get one. I got stank bug, but that wasn't didn't have an asterisk. Oh, you were begging Again, for an asterisk. We've talked about this. We've talked. No, no, no. <laughs> well, that's dumb. You. That's the worst. I Even though I don't think it's on this this screen. Um, no, 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 no. You're trying to. You're trying to. Okay. So if we am, I unplugged my earbuds with my own leg. If we imagine each tally. Stop it. Stop it. But all of you stop it. If we imagine each each one that I get correct as a good, nice sort of, uh, oh shoot, what do we call this? Uh, it's like an Oreo. If each one that I get is an Oreo, then each one that I get with an asterisk is an Oreo that has had all of the cream filling scraped out of it and chucked on the ground. And it's just dry, almost chocolate cookies. Which means that if I get a one and it's good, I want my whole Oreo. I don't want to, to then throw an asterisk onto that one and scrape all the cream filling. It's like it's like slurping the peanut butter out of my peanut butter cup. Then it's just bad chocolate. I'm so angry. <laughs> She's like, she was having a hard time hearing me. And then she goes, wait, why are we on Oreos? <laughs> it's a comparison. Mmm. This is what Sam gets like when he's angry. He just rants about Oreos. I'm, I've had it. I've it. had enough of these asterisk Oreos. <laughs> All right, Friday. All right, Friday it is, and then we got to check. Then we got to check for other stuff because I've definitely got some today. Ooh, I yeah. definitely have extra ones today. All right, folks. Friday we've got our spout lore session. This is um, uh, it's kind of a, a recap of some of the stuff that we did on Wednesday for the uh, chat plays Dungeon World. Um, and then, oh. Judas. Yep, startled me that one. Um, and then we've got uh, a little bit after that. I'll generally do maybe an hour of uh, GM Chop Shop, which is where I talk through um, RPG kind of mechanics, things that I'm using, and I would like to eventually turn into something that I'm going to call uh, what do we call it? Breaking Camp. Uh, essentially, when you are writing a movie, you do a process called Breaking Story. I think you can do the same thing for RPG campaigns. And so I'm going to have somebody on. I've already got somebody tentatively lined up, uh, a GM who is trying to put together a campaign. And we're going to talk through sort of what it's like to build a campaign from the ground up and what sort of things you need to have prepared, etc. Um, I would love for you all to join me for that. And then after that, tomorrow, 2 p.m. Pacific time, go to the Discord if you want the notifications. You can get the notifications as to when we will be starting Fall Guys. It's super popular on Twitch right now, and my manager, Tuna Sunday, says, hey, get on that noise. Get on that noise. Get a piece of that action. So we're going to do it. Thank you very much to uh, Memnite and uh, Shotzi, who put together the bidding war that made it possible. All right. Hogwarts Hippie, it looks like you're heading out. Thank you very much for being here. Have a great night. Ow. All right, here's our Friday beam. Oh, God. Mmm... Mm. <laughs> yeah, Tuna says, granted, Cry of Fear was better than I could have hoped. The setup to it was fantastic. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to put together our first sidecar report for that. And then I'm going to try and do a video of just Cry of Fear because I think we got enough for like 15 minutes. A good, very funny 15 minutes. This is a bad one, folks. And it's, it is super like sticking in my gums. Like it's like chewing gum. Oh, or sticking in my teeth.
It's got a very bad sweetness to it. It doesn't have the hork flavor. It is so sticky. It's like it's like toffee or caramel or something. Oh, this is a nightmare. Um. Mm, it's got a little bit of that vom sort of in the back, in the sort of in the backdrop there, waiting in the wings. Um, but not so much as to, that I think it's a vomit bean. I'm going to have to go with, um, I think spoiled milk or the rotten egg. I think it's going to be spoiled milk. That's the one that had sort of that sort of backdrop of it. What do we think? Final answer. Spoiled milk. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I think it was vom. You think it was vom? It was vom. Yeah. Well, it's still sticking in my teeth. It was not brown sugar and old toffee, unfortunately, yeah. repulse. Rotten egg is rotten egg is definitely one of the worst. Uh, one of the worst ones I've had was a rotten egg one. Um, they they vary in strength a little bit, which is sad, challenging. <laughs> it's sad, yeah. We all wish it was strong. Ugh. Well, there we go. All right, now check that tag. We gotta check that. <laughs> we gotta check that tag. Um, let's see. How much is my moped? Is that what you said? I went to the moped store. Said. Salesman's like, what up? What's your budget? I'm like, honestly, I don't know nothing about my pets. He's like, I got the one for you. Follow me. Help, help. She's rapping Macklemore. What happened? <laughs> I don't know how this got started or what if it's a reference to. I don't know what we're talking about. The tag on your sidecar. Cost of your sidecar. The price tag. Ah. Uh, we have circled into it. I know. <laughs> it's just so much better. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, so for this one. HP out loud is the uh, is the hashtag, and you can make me eat more bad beans. Essentially, <laughs> them's the rules. So let me check. Let's see. Let's Did see what we got. Score? Hmm? Did you see score? Mm, yeah, I saw it. One Oreo out of five. One asterisk. Oreo asterisk. Well, no, because there's an extra asterisk on each side of Oreo, yeah, which one means asterisk Oreo asterisk. I didn't deserve the asterixes. I didn't deserve any of them. If you're going to give me... if I got my one. I got my one Oreo. If you're going to give me a second Oreo with the cream all scraped out, fine. But I get my one whole Oreo. I want one whole Oreo. I want one, one whole Oreo. And I won't be... I will not be... You're a crook. And I know it. Okay. Um. Let's see. Shoop, 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 shoop. Um, I think we already talked Sophia in, right? Sophia. Yeah. That was last week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I mean, no. No, 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 no. no. This week. That was That's definitely from new. last week. The ones that I knew were, were, or the one that I knew was new uh, for this week was in Instagram. Anyhow. Um, uh, let's see. Your life would be so much easier if you wrote them down as they came in. You would think so, but that's not the case. Because you don't write them down. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Um, okay. Uh, so we've got one. It's from late, laid off van life. <laughs> no, we got it on Instagram. Okay, there we go. All right, folks, we're in it. We got one extra. You can thank laid off van life for this one. Uh, I'm ready whenever you are. You good to go? All right, let's do it. That's it. And by the way, I'm 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 in a deep masked trance right now. But when I come back, 
I'm coming in hot about these Oreos again. I want my whole Oreo. Frizz. Oh. Oh, this one's really bad. Oh. Oh, there is something rotten in Denmark there. Oh. Yeah, well, this is my mouth, Denmark. <laughs> there it is. Hey, if you really want to fake a lit degree, refer to your mouth as Denmark. They'll all know what you're talking about. No, this one's really, really bad. It tastes, I think, I think this is going to be spoiled milk. But it's definitely worse than that vom bean I just had before. Hold on. Oh, Lisa had one too. I see. Hmm. I believe you. I trust you. All right. That's a second one. Oh, it did get rough tonight, didn't it? Ooh, baby. Ooh, mama. Okay. Uh, my my final guess is going to be uh, it's it's again it's either a rotten egg or spoiled milk. What are we working with here? Um, I gotta go spoiled milk. Final answer. I did it. She's giving me the nod. I'll get this out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Lisa. I will. I'll do uh Ooh, baby. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, that one was much worse than the, the fully vomit bean I got just moments before. Ooh, baby. Yeah, that was a powerful one. <laughs> she has covered her mouth and nose. She has covered her mouth and nose like she has just seen the uh, Mount Vesuvius go. <laughs> and she thinks maybe this is her last chance. Uh, there's another one. Call your mouth Mount, Mount, Vesuv Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> Mount Vesuvius. Mount Vesuvius of Denmark. Okay. Let's get this last bean. Lisa Hall, thank you for... Um, yeah, Frizz, thank you for uh, signal boosting there. And uh, Lisa Hall, thank you very much uh, for sharing the good word. Let's go. All right, let's see it. I don't. You, you can't see it. That's the whole point. She's looking at me with such a serious look on her face, <laughs> which is extra funny because her little nose is red now. Smell. All right, let's see. Hmm. Denmark the mouth, not to be confused with Portugal the man, <laughs> or Young the giant. Hi, this is my mouth, the giant. <laughs> Bonus beans are your favorite beans, says Miss Rizzo. Okay. Let's see. Lisa? First of all, I'm going to say thank you. And by that, you should ascertain this is indeed a good bean. There's some lemon in there, but it's definitely not like a, a all lemon thing. Um, the It's a combination. There's lemon in there with something else, and I don't know what it is. But last time, I was sure it was a lemon drop. I've been unsure plenty of times. That time, I was sure it was a lemon drop. This time, I'm not sure what I'm dealing with. I'm going to guess lemon sorbet. Um, she was just silent. I don't know what... I don't, she's, she's meditating down near so the, the bean three. bin. It's one of three. Okay, folks, let's see. It is either... Sun-kissed tangerine. Sun-kissed tangerine. Sun-kissed 
Orange. Sun-kissed orange. Or orange sorbet. Or orange sorbet. I'm going to go with orange well, sorbet. No, it's orange sherbet. You but. are... Okay, no, no, no. I'm counting that close enough. I think that's close enough. Yeah, Archer Kid, hello. It's good to have you. Thanks for jumping in. Because it was the orange sherbet on here is like super like concentrated, and that one was not concentrated. Yeah, it didn't seem like it. Sunkissed orange or sunkissed tangerine. So you're telling me they sort of mix them differently. So there might be sort of a miscoloring. Essentially, I'm gonna go ahead. I want I want asterisks. I want asterisks, but I want seven out of seven for all the previous weeks since we started using the bean bucket. They're mislabeled. They're mislabeled. I won't take this. So this would be an orange. It's a conspiracy. That's a tic tac. That's a tic tac, 100% right there. You see that? That is what a tic tac looks like. I think this is garbage. I think we are. It's three out of seven and some gross Oreos. That's that looks tangeriney to me. See? Okay, then tangerine sun kissed it is. I think. I think this whole thing. I need all. I think all results need to be thrown out. I want a recounting by some by some totally impartial judges. Actually, you know what? I want to get I want to get Birdie Bot herself in here. I want you to succeed because I'm feeding you these. No, you think it's so funny when I don't. Yeah, I can see you face. The bad beans and hearing you describe the flavors being so far off. I think you think it's so so funny when I goose it. Oh boy, folks. Thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed. I certainly have. Uh, it's been another great week. Um, I look forward to seeing you again next week. Or, ideally, come hang out tomorrow. We're going to be playing Fall Guys. It's going to be interesting. If you're interested in that sort of thing, and if you are not, folks, go ahead, jump into the Discord. If you already have joined the Discord, um, but you like deleted it off your phone or whatever, it is the best way to get updated about everything Sidecar. And once again, you can mute all the stuff you don't care about. So, jump into the Discord, uh, say hello to the folks, and uh, mark what you want to see in the notifications channel. It's up in the general channels category, um, up near the top. And then once you do so, then you can mute the entire server, and then you'll only hear about the stuff that you want to hear about. It's fantastic. Saucy Pop says, what time will you be playing? It's going to be 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, it's at my typical, sort of the typical Friday boot and scoot time. Um, I guess the typical boot and scoot time on Tuesdays and Fridays. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, five Foot Fury is wondering if you are hearing this great idea. I know Miss Frizzle's wondering if you're hearing this great idea. Um, you should name the Bean Queen Ear Half. Wait, what? You should have the Bean Queen eat half so that she can say if she thinks it's right or wrong as well. Okay, so you well, eat half the bean. Bad beans, I'm super into it. But until we're not out of bad beans, I'm not. Oh, oh, I see. You're not brave enough to get in here with the get up in here in the dirt and the grime and the smoke and the and the stink bugs and the and the, no. the vomit beans. You're correct. I did not sign up for this. The stinky socks and the dishwater. No. Down the bayou. Down to down to bayou. Folks, thank you very much for watching. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Bye bye. <laughs>